Testicles 1-2. Testicles 1-2, episode 3. <laughs> this is Room to Talk. I'm Bud Walker. What's up? I'm Mike. And do we have one for you today? What are we talking we about? Have, what are we talking about? Yeah. Stiff dicks and airplanes. Oh, up in the air, huh? Just kidding. First off, I want to recommend this book to anyone since I brought it here. I'm going to plug this book in and uh, we're going to... Well, we're eventually going to talk about it because once I fucking read it all, we're going to fucking break this one down just like we're it is pretty breaking thick. down the... Yes, it definitely is. But there is a lot of pictures, a lot of comic... It's not a comic book by all means. Anyway, the book, Fire and Blood by George R. R. Martin. Uh, 300 years... Uh, a history of the Targaryen family written down. <laughs> written down. Before fucking the end of the actual series was written down. 100% factual. Yeah, actually, did you did you see how it's written? No. I, I want to find the page here just so you can see it, how he actually puts it. This is a maester of the Citadel here. <laughs> this is who's writing it. Okay. Fire and Blood. It says volume one. So there's obviously going to be another part. Uh, from Aegon one to conquer to uh, the regency of Aegon the third, the Dragonbane, by Archmaester Gildelaine of the Citadel of Old Town, here transcribed by George R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was cool how he put that in there. That's funny stuff. Yeah, I started reading Aegon's Conquest, which was real. I'm not going to talk any details about this fucking book, but right off the bat, you start, you start, uh, you read about Aegon's Conquest, and it's really fucking cool. Dictated really. but not read. Really fucking cool. Anyway, this one's going to be a fucking long one, so I'm not going to mince any words or fucking fuck around. We plugged in the book. We don't have any, uh, we don't have any news articles for you mm-hmm. today because not I'm going to be talking my fucking, talking my fucking head off. Uh, this is going to get confusing, but uh, we're breaking down. Mike wanted to do something a little light for this week, a little lighter than uh, the Holocaust. Nazis or... Uh, government alien treaties <laughs> government alien peace packs um what they get to experiment on us yeah so we decided i decided to do research do a little synopsis or a little s- book report summary on one of my favorite <laughs> video game series and one of my favorite stories because there's actually there's a comic series that goes with it too and a whole bunch of like online information hmm, that's um, pretty cool assassin's creed i love assassin's creed it's one of my favorite uh it is my favorite series. I do like a couple other like standalone games, like maybe a little bit better, but it's definitely as a whole, like the whole story over all of the decade. Don't they so. have like a couple of like the choose your own adventure kind of ones too, where it's like like they're like the smaller like Assassin's Creed games. They weren't like actual like big, correct? correct. Like yeah, um, they have like games inside of games almost. Like they have games for the Nintendo DS. They have old games for like the PSP, um, and what they and they're just like. They just kind of take, like, the main storyline characters that you see, mm-hmm. which I'll get into. I don't want to say... I'm, I'm, be careful, I'm trying to be careful of what I say to not confuse people, because, like, right off the bat, the whole, what I get from people is why I wanted to do this is because people say it's so confusing. They won't touch it yeah. because it's so confusing. There's so many timeline jumps, and it's just all back and forth. And there's just a lot of content there in general, like a lot of games. So much. There's, yeah. You could literally read for days inside of one game. There is enough, like, there's just, like, collectibles and all these different clues to all this, like, political stuff that happens in the inside of the game that, like, you could literally sit there and, like, 
it's part of the story too. It like all of it kind of like relates to modern time hmm. in the game yeah. versus when it goes back in time too. So it's like it's very confusing, but the way that it weaves like actual history into this fictional when you say like modern, isn't it set like a little bit in the future though? Like no, it's actually the way these games came out was exactly leading up to 2012, December 21st, 2012, huh. the, the end of the world. That's pretty cool. The Mayan calendar, which I mean, first off, in the game they weave natural, or sorry, like real historical events. Sorry, some of them natural, like some of them are like catastrophes that were like mm-hmm. these you know these natural devastations of the world or whatever but some of them are just like they weave like these different events and these different actual things that happen and they kind of put their own twist on them and i and the whole like thing is like they did that in real life too like all the way leading up to 2012 everyone was freaking out about mm-hmm. the mayan calendar is a huge fucking cultural thing for us and stuff like that like is the world gonna end da, 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 same as y2k and they just ta- and they just made these series of video games that just like warped into the actual culture of real life when they told their part of it, when they said how how December 2012 was supposed to happen in this. So it's like, it's in its own, like, universe, but it's, like, mocking or, like, mimicking our universe. It's supposed to be exactly like the world that we're living in right now. Yeah. It's not separate or anything like that. So some people say that, like, when you, later in the later on games, when you start seeing, like, superhumans or like the or you know what i mean like superhero or these superhero abilities and stuff like that it's all like scientifically and mathematically explained hmm. in the games that's pretty cool yes so where i'm going to start with that to to get people what i'm going to do is i'm going to explain um the ones who came before the kind of the superhuman people, the superhuman humanoids that you see there that people will get really confused about. And I'm going to describe Desmond Miles off the bat. Desmond Miles. Desmond Miles. He is who you start with in the very, like right when the very first Assassin's Creed came out. Um, This is a guy that you basically play him in the modern time. But yeah, I'm gonna get to I'm I'm gonna get to Desmond in a little bit. First, <laughs> we got some explaining to do first. First, we're gonna go way, 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 way back to guess when. Uh, the 3000 BC. No. Oh, even farther back or too far? About 77,000 years ago. Oh. The Jeez. Isu, or the ones who came before, which is what they call them in modern times when we don't know who they are. But they were called the Isu, which is just a an advanced humanoid, like like they had super, they had some superhuman abilities. When you see them in the actual games, they're bigger than us, hmm. but they were native to the Earth. They weren't. This isn't like an alien species that came here and like we just, you know what I mean? Like they they were the ones who were here before us. That were, were the Isu people. I S U for anyone who wanted correct accurate no uh, they're also known as the precursors a lot of stuff that you'll see like stuff that they left behind they call precursor site or precursor artifacts so they call them you know either yeah, so the I remember Isu. that from the ones i played like right the precursors yeah they all they're yeah certain games have certain um dialogue and then other games you'll see like like the the overall knowledge of the isu and what they left behind is expanded upon so hmm. then they start you know, stuff gets changed. Yeah. They learn. They learn about it. They start researching it. Um, anyway, these motherfuckers were just, they were nuts. They were way more technologically advanced than us. Later on, you'll actually get, like, places like Atlantis 
the uh, the pyramids. So like Atlantis <clears throat> would be populated by Isu. Yes. Okay. The, the Atlantis was originally populated and made by the Isu. Hmm. And when I and and later on I'll try to get into like the technologies, but we don't have to worry about that. All you need to know for right now is that they are an advanced humanoid species that ruled over Earth seventy seven thousand around give or take, 77,000 years ago, and it was just this entire huge population. And they, and uh, what they eventually did... Um, oh, I forgot to put this one. This is actually... They're actually classified as Homo sapiens divinus by Abstergo Industries, oh, which damn. I'll tell you who Abstergo is later. But anyway, I want to... Yeah. Um, basically, what they did was they created man. Everything that you've supposedly learned about the evolution of man and everything, that's a lie told you by Abstergo Industries. <laughs> do they know why they made people? Or yes, they, they do. Just for funsies. Yes. Uh, yeah, they do. You want to know what it was? Sure. My bad is slaves. They, uh, yeah. Good, <laughs> good, good, uh, good guesstimate there. <laughs> yeah, they, they created humans to be a docile workforce. They just... Yeah, they, that checks uh, out. They made us in their own image, so like we looked like them, yet we were smaller. You know, we were smaller. We didn't have so much abilities. We weren't meant to have like the mental capabilities. Like we weren't able. Like we weren't meant to be wise. Like we were ob- that we are very like they made us for one purpose, and that was to moving serve boulders them. around. Exactly, was to serve them. Um, however, they were also um, since they made us in their own image. You can kind of see where, like, uh, a sort of seduction may have happened between uh, Isu and they human. They fucked us? They, uh, eventually, we started interbreeding. Eventually, we started interbreeding with the Isu, Damn. and that's what created an Isu-human hybrid. Now, why is this important? Why does that... Who, who gives a fuck if we... We're just... What? I mean, we viewed them as gods. We thought they were gods, but they weren't gods. Even the one that a, a main Isu, Minerva, another like something that we have in our culture and stuff. I'll explain her and her counterparts later, and you'll you'll see how they like weave into our like mm-hmm. certain systems that we have. But uh, Minerva said, no, "Like no, we uh, we aren't gods. We just came before. We're just better than you." Yes, exactly. <laughs> we, just, we just came years and years and years ago, and you guys just don't remember because we made you. I mean, but to be fair, though, if some like if they literally just made them, they pretty much are gods to them. Yes, yeah, you're you're not wrong. Like they definitely are there. Like in the, in the sense of the word, they are their gods, mm. their creators, mm. and stuff like that. But them themselves knew that they they're still they, just flesh and blood. They were still just a speck of dust in the in, <laughs> in what is the fucking world. But who made the Isu? Exactly. <laughs> that, that's actually I will say that right now. That's never. It hasn't been... They haven't gone to it yet. That the most that we know is that around 77,000 years ago, the Isu were the, the main humanoid humanoids that just, like, conquered and ruled over the Earth themselves with their crazy technology. They yeah, created wait. humans to be a workforce. And uh, how do you think they got us to uh, listen to them? Uh, sticks that shock us. Like, this is... 
Well, there was uh, some of their some of their advanced technologies included like force fields for humans or, or for the Isu themselves. Like if they were fighting, they had like la- they there's a there's one hologram where it shows that they had like technology of like laser pistols, and they had like these force fields that they could like just generate around their body that would hmm. like protect them and stuff like that. That's, that's how that's how advanced they were in technology. And we had spears <clears throat> and stone knives. What they did was they created these. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word to kind of... Ah, fuck it. I'm just going to call them what they are. They're called Pieces of Eden. That's what we refer to them as. We call them as Pieces of Eden. And what they were were these just like technologically advanced... Like it was kind of like a catalyst to power. You know what I mean? They so like created, a battery? Kind of. They created the humans with a ner- with a certain neurotransmitter in our brains <laughs> okay. that allowed the pieces of Eden to react and they could control us. Hmm. Like you'll see in certain, like the one, they call the one piece of Eden the apple of Eden. This one, whoever controlled it, whoever had it, could control the minds of the men around him. And like during this time, you know, like ancient Syrian people, they didn't understand they didn't get it. They didn't under. You know what I mean. They were just like, oh, I get to control all these people. And it would like anything they'd want them to do. They could control their minds. They could get them to do stuff. Like at one point, this one guy takes over a whole town. Like they just come back and there's like everyone's just like zombified, almost like just like the master, the master. So it's like a big remote <laughs> control for people. Exactly. But some of them weren't just that. It wasn't just. It was. Um. The shroud. The shroud uh, gave the wearer invulnerability. Hmm. You could just. So they're just like advanced pieces of technology. They're advanced pieces of technology used to keep us under heel. Hmm. Used to make sure that like we know. What is that? Uh, what does Major Chester Campbell say in Peaky Blinders? Oh, fuck. <laughs> to let your dog know who's the owner, you got to show him the stick. <laughs> Something like that. Like some shit exactly, um, exactly fucking that is like they just made these like basically weapons that could control us via these neurotransmitters in our fucking brains that's how it connected now it like fucking clones from star wars when they just enact order 66 yeah, yeah basically they just hold up the piece of e and it was like execute order 66 do it do it, do it. <laughs> cut his fucking head off <laughs> now the Isu, 77,000 years ago, super advanced people, bigger, badder than us, supposedly. Supposedly. Um, well, where are they now? We're still here. Well, we'll think about <laughs> it. Well, think about it. Uh, how did we get to where we are now? How did we get to, like, the north? There's no Isu now. There's no, you know, we're not a, a docile workforce or anything like Maybe that. Maybe the Isu are the shadow government that run the country. Well, <laughs> it turns out the humans, kind of a rowdy bunch. A little bit. Kind of didn't like being um, those damn hedonistic pleasure seekers. Yes, we don't. We don't like being enslaved. <laughs> Shocker. Yes. Um, oh, we're not going to get political with this, by the way. I'm going to stop there. We're not going to get political when I say any of this stuff. This is about a video game, okay? So if y'all want to fucking comment on our fucking shit when this drops and be like weirdos about me talking about enslavement or whatever, okay, whatever. Fuck off, okay? <laughs> We're talking about a video game here. Everybody was enslaved, human alike. That's just what it was. That's what it was. Anyway. That's just how it be. That's just how it be. <laughs> Everyone was. It didn't matter. The Isu just did not like us. Some of them did, obviously. They were they fucking us. us. They were fucking us. Some I mean, of they could have hated us and still fucked us. Yeah, but I don't... Mm. <laughs> it didn't seem that way. 
Hmm. There's very few that are that were with the humans. Other ones you'll see like they very like, these damn dirty apes. Yeah, they only wanted us to. They knew that like they didn't think of us equal to them whatsoever. Hmm. So anyway, <clears throat> I gotta find the year. Year what? When it happened. Oh, the first fucking, or when we like, no, rose not up. The first fucking, not the first fucking. I don't exactly remember. Oh, wait, actually, I do. But I just lost it again. Comes and goes. I think it was around 7,500. 75, sorry, not 7,500, 75,000. It was so around 200 70, years after they made us. Yes, about 200 years after when we know that they were. I mean, they had to have ruled for so long. Because, I mean, like, Atlantis. And they're like, man, all this work sucks. We gotta get some people in here to do the heavy lifting. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can't build all this shit ourselves. <laughs> this sucks. I want to go like fly around and use my cool toys. <laughs> we need someone to build the houses. I want to shoot my laser gun at yeah. fucking range. Get my human fucking pack mule in here. Me and right Billy away. Bob Isu want to go fly around on jetpacks. <laughs> <laughs> so around seventy five thousand years ago, two human hybrid. Two human Isu hybrid um, led a rebellion against their masters. Can you guess what their names were? Uh, this is where this is the first. This is the first mention where we're going to start seeing like historical events weaved into the history of this fictional tale. Uh, Romulus and Remus. Romulus and Remus. Wrong. Oh, I don't know. Cain and Abel. Nope. Uh-huh. Close. Adam and Eve. Oh. Adam and Eve were the two Isu human hybrids that uh, rose up together, rebelled against the Isu, and ended up stealing a piece of Eden. Hmm. They stole a piece of Eden. They ended up escaping from uh, like the lab or like the the just wherever the like the town or wherever they were at. They ended up escaping and thus begun the Isu human war. Oh Jesus! For ten years. For being a docile workforce, we could fight them. Yeah, how, how are we supposed to fight them if they have like lasers and we shields? We stole a piece of Eden. The, but we, but we, we have just one. Well, okay, this is this is what something I kind of like skipped over, but it's still it's right here. Um, the Isu human hybrids don't have the neurotransmitters okay. that allow them to be controlled. So, an Isu would try to use them on them, and they didn't work so much. But and only- that's when they started realizing that, like, yeah, fuck this, we don't, we don't want to listen to these guys. So they got their own piece of Eden, to which they started amassing their own, um, <clears throat> their own army of humans. They could use the pieces of Eden. They used it to steal other pieces of Eden, like the shroud, which would make them like invulnerable and different stuff. Like there's, there's a lot more that I have to like look up and stuff like that. I'm just remember there's a lot of apples that you see like throughout the very first three four five games it's because like you're still dealing with the same ancestor of one person Hmm. you're still dealing with the same like inside story even though you're kind of like jumping around in different time zones and stuff like that but anyway yeah so anyway that started the war we fought him for 10 fucking years whole decade whole decade you can fucking kill off fucking humans you made us but you can't kill us that whole thing that your fucking parents say i fucking made you i'll fucking take you out of this world too yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Not working over here. Humans, I even wrote that in my... Go humans. Hashtag go humans. Go humans. <laughs> we fucking... We fought these fucking advanced people for 10 years. 
<clears throat> seems unlikely, but okay. It seems very unlikely, but this is where it, this is this is where it does seem likely. Over that ten year span, we're too busy squabbling, fighting amongst the you know these two groups of certain you know the the, the, the demigods one, and the, the, ones the that, rabble. Well, not even let's 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 not name them like that. Let's say uh, the ones who want control and the ones who want freedom. Okay. The humans want freedom. The Isu want to be controlled because they think that, like, the chaos that comes with freedom, like, the humans aren't wise. The humans aren't smart. They're not good enough to make their own decisions. They can. Huh. So there's the people, there's the there's the side that wants the, the power and the control and the one side that wants freedom. During this war, there is three Isu scientists that, like, basically thought everything was dumb. They didn't. They didn't want to. They're scientists. They didn't want to be a part of the war, and they knew of an impe- of a near impending doom. And you said they were Isu scientists. They were Isu scientists. Okay. They were. They were super advanced. They fucking big um, brain boys. Yeah, big brain boys. Well, actually, two women. Oh, yes. Uh, big these, brain people. <laughs> big brain Isu. <laughs> uh, these uh, three Isu scientists were called Minerva, okay. Jupiter. And no. Juno. Okay. I believe, uh, well, Jupiter, obviously. But aren't they constellations? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I was so wrapped up. I was so fucking wrapped up in just making sure I got all the stuff down that I needed for the... I I'm didn't pretty really sure like Juno is a god of some sort, though. And, like, yeah. one obscure one, but... Well... <laughs> I mean, Jupiter is. Jupiter's a Roman god. Yeah. Jupiter's a Roman god. And, and I'm pretty sure Juno is too, but... Yeah, because what they do is that in this, they form the Capitoline Triad, which, back in ancient Rome, was three gods, the same three. They were uh, worshipped by the ancient Romans as the capi- as the real life are, in, you know, in our fucking, you know, not fictional, um, the Capitoline Triad. This is the Capitoline Triad in Assassin's Creed. These three scientists basically came together while fucking Isu and humans are buttonheads fighting for fucking years. And they try, basically they figured out that a coronal mass ejection, which is just a giant... Uh, a hot load from the sun. It's Yeah, the sun, the sun releases a shit ton of fucking plasma and fucking basically magnetic, field, magnetic fields. And anything in the fucking... Anything in the fucking path, yeah. including fucking Earth's, are toast. It won't destroy the planet completely, but the world will burn. You're done. You're mm-hmm. fucking done. So, these three scientists hated the fucking war. They locked themselves away in these underground temples trying to figure it the fuck out. Trying to figure out how the fuck they can... They did so many experiments. They did experiments on their own people. They did. They tried to, like, see if they could, like... Like the force fields. They tried to see if they could do something like that, but they, you know, shit wasn't working hmm. and stuff. And <clears throat> they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't... It was just they tried... They tried six different methods. All of them failed. <clears throat> instead of looking... Instead of looking to, like, stop the catastrophe from happening once after so long of them realizing, like, none of this shit's working. We, we're running out of fucking time. <laughs> we're fucked. Eventually, Minerva had the idea to not... <clears throat> to not stop this one from happening but to stop the next one from happening, from it happening again. She realized that, like, we can't save us. We can't save 
the we can't save the human race or the isu we can't save this planet from what's about to happen it's gonna happen we mm-hmm. can't we can't figure it out however <clears throat> what she did was she de- she developed this uh device called the eye and what the eye did this is where the advanced technology comes into like crazy fucking play. What the what they realized was that the world and the universe is all it all runs off the same mathematical equations and calculations. That's why history is doomed to repeat itself. Remember when I said about there's the side that wants control mm-hmm. and there's a side that wants freedom. So, what they did that what this device the I did was it let them look into the future and see she pulled a doctor. She pulled a fucking Doctor Strange. <laughs> she went. She fucking checked into the future with this fucking device and fucking was seeing all the different possibilities of what the fuck could happen, of what of what what they could do to like stop the next one from happening. <clears throat> While she was making this eye, her counterpart Juno, this bitch, she's a human supremacist or a fucking Isu supremacist. She thinks that the she she doesn't like the humans. She thinks that we were made for a docile workforce. We're not wise enough to fucking wield the pieces of Eden. We're not, we're basically like the Isu human. They're basically half breeds. You know what I mean? Yeah. She just thinks that she she wants to conquer the fucking world. The mudbloods. Yeah, she wants to conquer the world. She doesn't want. She wants it all for herself when it's all said and done. Like when the fucking coronal mass happens. <laughs> I want this scorched earth <laughs> whenever yeah. it's done. <laughs> well, I mean, when you think about it, like when I break down, you'll see. Yo, exactly. She wants it all for her when it all comes down to it. And uh, Minerva and Jupiter both figure it out. They both figure, they both, fun- there's only three of them. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is fucking fighting, of course. It's easy. They figure out that she wants to take control. She wants to manipulate, like, the eye and use it to her own means. So mm-hmm. they trapped her. So they basically put an end to her schemes, and they basically—I think they—they they use the eye to kind of trap her consciousness. This is another crazy thing about how fucking technologically advanced they are. Like they can—they have that whole thing where you can like, her body was dead, but her consciousness lived on through a fucking giant simulation. Jesus. Yeah. So this giant fucking these giant temples which amass all this fucking energy and stuff that like we don't even. We can't possibly fucking understand it and stuff like that. Because we're just humans. Yes. But basically, that's what happened. They trapped Juno into the eye, and instead of using the eye, for like, they trapped Juno in it, mm-hmm. so she just let it go. Like, Minerva just let it go. She let the coronal mass happen, and that was it. Boom. End of the world. The fucking... Uh, the coronal mass hit the hit the earth um it was said that what was it less than 10,000 that's what it was that's what jupiter said sorry i was trying to remember it i've watched so many fucking videos i'm trying to remember <laughs> and there's so many different hologram flashbacks and stuff that you try to piece them all together in what fucking game that they were in but yeah jupiter eventually like Jupiter eventually sends a hologram just like uh to the f- to to like our modern day to the dude that we're playing at in our modern day. I'll get to him in a minute. Totally lost what I was just about to say. Oh, 10,000. He tells them that 10,000 yeah, less than 10,000 humans survived. Hmm. And even less Isu survived. Damn. So there were yes, there was very few Isu, but more humans actually survive it's actually kind of remember when we were talking about amon gert 
Mm-hmm. Something I don't know if I actually mentioned in there is about like how I actually found out afterwards how many foot like the Jews outnumbered the Nazis there by like thousands yeah. and stuff like that. And people don't get that. People think like, oh, they have so many more people. It's like when you're fucking suppressed by a fucking system, it doesn't matter how many. If you're fucking starved and fucking <laughs> shot when you wake up every day, exhausted, you're like you don't get to sleep, you don't get food. You worked all day, you can't sleep, you get no food, and they now, have the guns so like you're fucked yeah like <laughs> come on it's the same it's the same exact thing here it's like the world ended we had the fucking numbers we had the numbers in general we just didn't realize you know what i mean mm-hmm. like we were you know they were they also had technology yeah, and when they was, have laser guns and shields what are spears and rocks gonna do and little piece and pieces like handheld pieces that just control our brains that just tell us what to do and there's nothing we can do about it so fly like, into the middle of the human army and the human whole army just attacks each other right so during this time like during this time, the world kind of reheals itself. Minerva and and uh, some of her uh, counterparts, not Juno, because they trapped her. They walked the earth. They tried to help the humans. She, that, that's what she wanted. Minerva wanted to help the humans. She 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 was one of the ones that believed that you know like, okay, cool. They made us as a they created us as a workforce, but you know we can live beside them. So we still did, and we still viewed them as gods. Like, even after the thing, like, we still thought that they were gods and stuff like that, but we lived harmoniously. Ring a bell? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. A lot of, you'll see, especially with the new one coming out, Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Like, right in the very, when he's, Odin is with us. Like, I have no idea what this, no one knows what the story's going to be about, but it's like, that's what they're talking about. Hmm. That, guaranteed, that has something to do with an Isu. Or, a, like, it might be an Isu hybrid, it might be an ancestor of him, but we'll get to that later. We'll get to, like, uh, why, like, all the characters are who they are and why. Anyway. Minerva ended up making another eye. Okay. In the modern time. She made another eye so she could... She still wanted to prevent. Even though she trapped Juno in the first eye Mm -hmm. and she decided to, like, let it go, she just made another one. She knew that she had to, like, relay the message on to further humans because there weren't enough Isu. They... No matter how much power or how advanced they were, they weren't she they weren't gonna survive. They were all gonna die out eventually. And they did. <laughs> they all eventually died out. And boom goes the dynamite. Yep. And what you uh what goes on from there is just modern history. After the Isu died out, she made the eye. I'll explain why later. She made a second eye in these underground and these un- all these underground temples still survived. All these Isu different places, like these, where the scientists like did their experiments to try to figure out where and how they could like save the human race and the Isu together, they're still intact. Like I said, it doesn't destroy the Earth; it scorches the Earth. It burns it all up. Yeah, bro. <laughs> and if you look up the, uh, uh, I'll try to leave. A, I have so many links for when we drop this fucking. I can't drop them all, but I'm going to try to drop a couple that have like some of our favorite, my favorite scenes in them. So you can see exactly like what I'm talking about. There's one scene where Jupiter shows uh, Desmond a fucking vision of like the catastrophe and what (laughs) happened fucking back then. And it's like, yeah, it's like watches the world burn. Well, there's this one fucking there's this like woman in a city with like a baby she's holding. And it's like that's how it kind of like brings everything together is like how fucking like there's literally nothing anyone could have done. Like, they couldn't have fucking done anything whatsoever. Just yeah, that sounds pretty powerful, that's for sure. Yeah. So, oh, man, I gotta look. 
25 minutes just to explain the Isu. Okay, we had a little bit in the beginning too, which is... But anyway, we got to go forward now. We're going forward <laughs> to modern times. We're going to go all the way forward to September 2012, where we meet Desmond Miles. Desmond Miles is extremely important. Desmond... Uh, I'm not going to say what he is. I'm just going to I'm going to explain what he is without saying it first because you might even guess it right off the bat. Hmm. Okay. From what I've already explained. So anyway, uh he was born in 1987 <clears throat> and he died. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you. Desmond dies. You're just going to have to get over it. He dies on 12/21/2012. So he dies at the end of the world. How do you think it happens? <laughs> uh, Did the world end? Do the machines like pick him up and shake him around? And then like whips him around and like breaks his neck? Just turn him into a Desmond smoothie? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I've been crazy though. I mean, you shake him up and get some of this energy out. <laughs> oh, Terry, you didn't inspect the machines before we started the session. It just <laughs> fucked him. <laughs> hey, did we do a, uh, did we do a test run on this? <laughs> Uh, he was born in South Dakota, and he was born at the farm. And when the I say farm. the farm, the farm, <laughs> the, the only one in South Dakota, doubtful. The people no, farm. The farm was a conclave of assassins. Oh. Hmm. The assassins and the Templars, um, for anybody who's played the game, for anyone who's not, the, the Templars and the assassins are kind of like... It's the equation that keeps repeating itself. It's part of the calculations that Minerva and them realized that that history, the world and everything revolves around this axis of the same equations, the same calculations. So like even though you're dealing years in the past or years in the future and you're dealing with different people, they're still the same problems arise again and exactly. again. Exactly. Like you're still kind of spinning on the same fucking on the same fucking axis as the same as those people so it just keeps happening and you keep seeing this throughout all the games throughout all the games as you make an assassination obviously it's assassin's creed you kill some people as you make an assassination your target usually has these like dying words this last monologue where it's basically they're just kind of pissed it's like no i had so much to do you fucked it what are you why and you're just like, dude, you're a fucking tyrant. You're a fucking bigot. <laughs> you fucking slaughter people. You enslave people. Like, what is wrong with you? You always take out these fucking, like, militant fucking people. And that's how the game kind of plays it. But then they make their argument to you. They try to tell you as to why they're right. And then mm-hmm. you always end up at the end kind of being like, shit. Should I have fucking done that? <laughs> it's like, well, I fucking had to. It's the fucking game, but it makes you think. It makes you rap. It's like, these are just perspectives, mm-hmm. right? Like, the Isu thought that everything they were doing was right because they just thought that they were better. It might be a wrong ideology, but they made, they are better. They made us. In this world, they made us. So it's like, they had a, they sort of had somewhat of a right to think that it good and evil just depends on what side of the fence you're sitting on exactly and the fucking the humans wanted freedom like we don't want to be oppressed who the fuck does we just want who's gonna build our coffee shops in our houses exactly (laughs) and the fucking all the isu can think is that this is chaos if we let them be free then they'll just start fucking da 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 you know what i mean this is the fight between the templars and the assassins the templars they all want peace each each side wants peace the assassins want 
freedom for the people. The, the people should have the choice to make whatever they want. They shouldn't be controlled by just a select few people who think they know the fucking better. The Templars think that if you let the people decide everything and make their own choices, this is just chaos. It's just going to fucking... And this is the argument. Hmm. It just, no matter, all over centuries, it just keeps happening and happening and happening and happening. And that's the point. Anyway, Desmond Miles. Desmond Miles <clears throat> was born on the farm to a group of assassins. His dad's name is William Miles. Can't remember his mom's name. Irrelevant. She's never in the game. His dad is. Why? His dad's the mentor of the assassins. The mentor is basically the grandmaster. Hmm. You have the grandmaster of the Templar order, and you have the mentor of the assassins. He's the main, he's the main, his dad's the main guy. He's the head assassin. Yeah. Desmond's sick of fucking this shit, though. He doesn't like it. He grew up, he grew up in fucking hiding out in South Dakota in this fucking farm. Doesn't see anybody, doesn't live a normal, like, life. His dad starts teaching him some combat, like, skills of the assassins. The parkour shit where you see where they're really good with climbing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Desmond's just sick of it. Doesn't like it. Pieces out. Done. He leaves. Heads out to New York where he gets a just a fucking just a job as a bartender. He's just trying to live his life, right? <laughs> I want something different. Yeah, like I don't want to be I don't want to be part of this secret organization tasked with the fucking the safety of the human race and fucking making sure tyrants don't take over the world. I want to serve drinks to I want to sling natty lights. Yeah. I want to pour shots to people. <laughs> this doesn't last long. In September 2012, he's captured by Warren Vidic. Warren Vidic is just another scientist that works for Abstergo Industries. I've said them. I said that earlier. <clears throat> I said that name earlier in the podcast. Abstergo Industries is this giant, like, monopoly conglomerate of the Templars. It's basically like where they fucking. What's the word? Uh, launder. It's basically uh, where they launder all their fucking information and money and shit. They have like <laughs> Abstergo Entertainment, which I'll get into later. It won't be this episode. It'll be actually next episode. Is what we start off with. But there's, like, Abstergo Entertainment. There's fucking Sciences. And what they did is that they created this machine called the Animus. The Animus allows the user to... uh, Okay, first let me explain it like this. Um, Warren Vidic explains it to Desmond. is like, how do animals know what to do? How do animals... Like, how does a bear know that it has to hibernate? Oh, well, it just does. It just fucking knows, man. It's just fucking nature. Like, exactly. It's in our fucking DNA and stuff like that. It's like the idea of, like, genetic memory, right? Exactly. Like, it's ancestors. It knows because for years and years and years, its ancestors have, like, tried and failed at certain things and stuff like that. Plus, they're also genetically made to do certain things. But it, but that's why. It's in our, it's in our blood. It's in our DNA to do what our ancestors are, like, a bear does what other bears does. Humans do what other humans do. Squirrels, same thing, stuff like that. So basically what they what they did with this machine is that they take your DNA and they allow you to relive memories of your ancestors in three dimensions. Where you lay down in this machine and then it fucking, boom, it like snaps you in real time and it's basically like a super vr the best vr system yeah. you've ever seen yeah and you just get to play as your fucking ancestor like in the very first one he, he he uh he's in the holy land he's in like damascus and stuff like that and they explain there's like yeah didn't you notice that uh english is uh <laughs> english is the main is the main uh language of the holy land he's like yeah what what's up with that uh-huh. she's like well can you 
you can't speak. It's like the, the machine's translating for you in real time. So that's like kind of when you go back, that's exactly what it is. You're in a machine. You're playing as Desmond Miles, but he's playing as one of his ancestors. Mm-hmm. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to access memories from his assassin ancestors to get pieces of Eden. Find out where they're at now. Exactly. They want, they want control of them. They, if they have the pieces of Eden then they have a better chance of controlling man. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what it is. They they capture him. And uh, I'm not... That's where I'm going to leave it with Desmond. And then I'm going to go into... Uh, not, like, afterwards, I'll go into the individual games. I don't want to give up Desmond's whole story. I did say he dies because it's, the cat's been out of the bag for fucking almost 11 years Since now. 2012. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm actually... Yeah, the game came out in 2012. Uh... Yeah, so cat, big cats out of the bag and stuff like which that. Which game was that that <clears throat> came out then? Assassin's Creed Three, which will be the last one that I cover. That's what I wanted to do today. I wanted to. What I wanted to do is I wanted to explain the Isu. I wanted to explain Desmond because those are the most confusing parts. East, the, basically the Isu. What what Minerva did was that she used the eye to see into the future and realize that Desmond was the one. Desmond was the one that could make this all not happen again. Like he's like the key point where all these bloodlines ran to. Out of all these calculations and all these equations throughout the future that she looked into, Desmond and his ancestors were the ones that were that would be able to possibly stop the next uh, coronal mass ejection from the sun to happen. Like you help like basically what she she left messages for them in these pieces of in these pieces of eden and different stuff so they could like first she could tell them about the catastrophe because obviously this is a lot to fucking take in you're finding like fucking atlantis and these crazy fucking underground temples and then all of a sudden a hologram pops out and be like the world's gonna end you gotta do something about it right now yeah like you're the dude (laughs) you're the fucking guy so it's like over time over these games they like also you have juno like minerva is trying to help them to like find the technology to find their technology so maybe they could like increase upon it Mm -hmm. and like make it better improve upon it not increase upon it sorry i don't want to sound illiterate here um, Juno, during these games, starts showing herself what she did is her consciousness was left in the eye. And she started to, like, scheme inside of the eye and do it the same. She picked, she starts manipulating Desmond and his fucking ancestors to try to do her will. Mm-hmm. And, like, basically it kind of works. <laughs> basically it kind of works. <clears throat> And that's basically what we get into is like why they want Desmond. They, Abstergo is, has uh, has done sixteen other patients. Desmond's referred to as a uh, as a subject seventeen. Okay. And there were sixteen other ones before him. So now, assuming like sixteen other assassins they abducted to try to do this with, or basically yes, they were like assassins, or some of them you'll see a lot like assassin turned Templars. Like, eventually they uh, hmm. warp their fucking mind or fuck their brain up a little bit, so they fucking, eventually they come over. Also, you can kind of see how the arguments are literally, like, this frail. Mm-hmm. Like, one decision could, like, boom. Like, okay, never mind. <laughs> I see now. Like, I can totally see the Templars form part of the fucking shit. And the same thing with Templars. Like, like sometimes the Templars are so vicious and stuff like that that people are like, Okay, like the way they're going about it, this isn't going to work. Like we need to, you know, we need to jump ship onto the other side to make our fucking agenda work. Mm-hmm. Those are in the games and stuff like that. Anyway, 
Let's uh, let's get in right into Assassin's Creed One, right into the game. Now, when I go over these games, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna like the very first three games, which is actually five games. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, the way that it goes is Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Two, and then <laughs> Assassin's Creed Two has three installments in it. It's Assassin's Creed Two, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and Assassin's Creed Revelations. Kind of like huh. a point. Like Assassin's Creed 2.1, Assassin's Creed mm-hmm. 2.2, they follow the same person during like those the same ones. like ancestor. Yes, they follow the same ancestor that Desmond's like going through to relive his memories because he has a lot to do. Also, it, why that is because he was a fan favorite. Everyone loved the second the second assassin. Like as soon as Assassin's Creed 2 came out, who like, is that? Ezio Auditore. Oh, okay, but I'll get into him. For anybody who fucking knows Ezio Auditore, give it a little clap. <laughs> Ezio's the man. Ezio is the fucking man. But we're not going to talk about Ezio right now. We're going to get into Assassin's Creed 1. So, Desmond is... Um, <clears throat> Desmond's captured by Abstergo Industries and Warren Vidic. He has an assistant with him, Lucy Stillman, who is basically... She's just like an intern. <laughs> she just helps him out with the machine and stuff like that. And you'll see she's the one that kind of... If you stay too long in the Animus, it starts mushing your brain. Basically, it takes all the memories from your ancestors and you, and it can't decide. Your brain starts to not decipher them. It's it, you, like you don't. Well, yeah, I mean, you're living through it, so you're gonna start thinking that exactly. Like, you were doing that's it what it some of these other. That's what some of these other subjects before Desmond went through. Like they were, they were, uh, they were putting the animus too long, so their fucking brain turned to mush, and that's why they now they need Desmond. So Lucy kind of like helps him out, kind of, because he's like she's the one that keeps like kind of pulling. Like, helping Desmond and pulling him out and, like, yelling at Warren, like, yo, mm-hmm. fuck face. Like, this is the dude we need. If you keep... <laughs> you can't keep putting him in there, he's gonna yeah. fucking die. You're fucking ruin the whole fucking experiment. He, you know, he's just a Templar. Then we gotta go steal a whole other one. Uh-huh. Or can they? <laughs> I hate having to dress up and pick these assassins up from bars, drug them and bring them here. It sucks. I'm tired of you killing them all. <coughs> so... <clears throat> they put Desmond in the animus after they capture him and they sync him up with one of his ancestors named Altair Ibn La'ahad oh a Syrian man it's yes. a mouthful oh yeah I, dude when the very first time I played the game I never even like I just called him Altair mm-hmm. it was like what's his last name I was like I don't fucking I was like, don't I, worry about it literally I waited years and years to ever even try and it's really not that hard It's that's me being a little prejudiced <laughs> on the english language but uh yeah altair ibn lahad uh the he was in the levantine brotherhood and then he eventually turned mentor Ooh. from 1191 until he died he was a legendary assassin he actually obtained the rank of master at age of 24 <laughs> which was unheard of at the time like no one in the, no one in the assassin's brotherhood ever became a master assassin so quick now where we start with altair is that He's just on a mission. His master, uh, his master, whose name is Al Mualin, he was the mentor of the Assassin's Brotherhood in Masyaf in Syria, in like basically like the Holy Land and mm-hmm. stuff like that, Damascus, Jerusalem, and stuff. Masyaf is is the is the home base. It's like the the castle of Masyaf. It's their South Dakota. Exactly, it's their farm. <laughs> um, this this story too is actually this actually has actual credence with the real assassins. Like th- what I'm what I'm about to explain of what happened somewhat happened in real life this is another historical event which they twisted and stuff like that mm-hmm. 
Um, he was sent on a mission, basically to recover like this treasure from like their enemies and stuff like that. During this time, fucking twenty-four-year-old, big-headed Altair fucking guy, he kills an innocent during the mission, which okay. is totally against the creed. There's three tenets to the creed: don't compromise the brotherhood, stay your blade, and hide in plain sight. Basically, they're the that's the whole like they don't want the templars want control the assassins end up control like they control events but they don't want to be noticed for it Mm -hmm. they try to do everything so it's just how it is no one knows like what happened but this guy just needed to die and you guys can do as soon as this guy dies you got like everybody else can just do whatever they want but we just got to kill this guy because he's a bad (laughs) guy out of here (laughs) we're basically killing this guy because he kills all you and that, that's where we're going for. So, during the mission, he ends up fucking breaking every tenant of the Creed. Right Hell off the yeah. bat. He ends up killing a fucking innocent when he never fucking had to. His, uh, his counterparts who come with him on the mission, like, call him on it. And he's like, no, my way's better. Like, you're fucking, you listen to me. I'm a fucking master. You listen to me. <clears throat> How he compromises the Brotherhood... <clears throat> Is that as he goes further into like this little cave thing that they're doing their mission in, trying to find this treasure that their uh, that their boss has him for? He runs in to the fucking Grand Master of the Templar Order. Oh damn, Robert de Sobert. He was a uh, uh, he was a a lieutenant. He was a lieutenant to uh, I think King Richard hmm. during the Crusades in the Holy Land, but. He was the grandmaster of the Templar Order. Altair, big-headed guy, just jumps down and decides he wants to have a little fucking tussle with guy, <laughs> not realizing that he might be a little bit out of his league, which he is. Robert basically fucking just gets the better of him, mocks him, and is just like, I'm only leaving you alive so you can go back and tell your fucking boss that the Holy Land is mine. <laughs> he literally says it. Just That's word... Maybe not word for word, but he definitely does. He definitely says he's like the Holy Land is de- like it's mine. So he throws you can do about it. Yeah, so he throws Altair away. Some you know he eventually gets separated from his other brothers and stuff like that. Uh, one being named Malik. Malik and his brother were with Altair at the time. Altair escapes from the cave. He runs back to Masyaf to. Uh, await punishment because he knows when he doesn't show up with the treasure he's in trouble he shows up tries to you know tell story tell the story to his you know how it went in his mind but then someone shows up malik escaped <laughs> and decides to tell al mualin how altair Broke every fucking... T- <laughs> no offense, but this is probably a good time that you should snitch. Uh, his brother died in the cave, all thanks to Altair. So Malik comes back and tells fucking Al-Mualin about it. <clears throat> and Al-Mualin realizes that uh, Robert de Sob- the, the Templars followed him. Like, he got... He, he didn't stay his blade. He didn't hide in plain sight. He... Got, he let them get the ball on them, and they just followed him back to Masyaf, right back to all the assassins, the whole town. So the Templars lay siege to the fucking town. Damn. Yeah. Al Mualin pulls everyone back into the castle and stuff like that. He gets his he gets his assassin recruits ready, and he sends Altair and a couple other ones up the mountain into the tower. And there's basically these fucking this this shit actually fucking happened like in real life too. You can look it up. <clears throat> in Masyaf, the the real like what they say that 
the assassins are based off of. Where these like Syrian people in real life that this guy like fucking I don't know if his name was Al Mualin, but there was like a there's like this guy who basically they said that he would feed his followers hashish <laughs> and basically get them all fucking stoned and stuff, and that's how they, he would get them to do all this stuff. But he would send them out to do political assassinations based on what he wanted to fucking go <laughs> on. Eventually, they were overtaken by the Mongols, which has a lot of people in history are. Which happens. <laughs> hey, we'll, hey, we're gonna get to those. We're gonna get to them later too. The Golden Horde. They always come. <laughs> we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna hit the Mongols a little bit in this. So anyway. Uh, Robert shows up to the fucking Tomasiov, to which fucking uh, Almualin decides to put up a little fucking a little show to like scare off the Templars. He basically realized that like the Templars, the assassins have an ideology. It's a creed, which is also which the creed for Assassin's Creed is nothing is true, everything is permitted. So they kind of they have a belief system. The Templars. You don't really see it so much this early on. Like, you can just tell that they want control. They want power. They'll buy their mercenaries. So basically, what they do is like, I'm all in. Looks at Robert and says, "I don't, I don't care about this little host you bring to my doorstep. My followers are not afraid of death, Robert." And as as he does this, Altair and his brethren fucking do the leap of faith. If anybody's seeing it, it's how you like synchronize and stuff like that. They jump off the mountain to like freak out the other the enemy. Mm-hmm. And what it does, it puts Altair in a strategic position. He goes up and he like basically there's like they have uh, towers with a whole bunch of like fucking logs in them and stuff like that right above the Templars. <laughs> and he fucking climbs up, boom, like waste away robbers, fucking waste away the Templars, fucking force, and they leave. <laughs> so he saved the town. Altair ended up saving the town. However, he's the fucking reason why I got attacked in the first place. Almualin didn't like that. Almualin strips him of rank, like holds him up in front of everyone and stabs him. <laughs> Literally just sentenced him to death because he he just I can't do it anymore. Got him. So then you wake up. You wake up. It was all farce. It was actually all farce. It was just like some. Fa- I don't even know how he faked the. It was like maybe just like a like an ointment an oil to make him pass out and he didn't stab him in the right place or something like that hmm. basically he wakes up and like all wall in just scold you like a fucking like your grandfather or fucking something like bitch you ruined everything you fucking put everyone at jeopardy so now master no you're a novice hmm. he knocks he strips him all of rank takes all of the all of his equipment you don't have a sword you don't have a fucking knife you don't have a fucking hidden blade you don't got nothing nothing and then he gives you the, a task. He gives you nine targets, basically. And uh, this is the part that's super boring for everybody in Assassin's Creed. Which, by the way, if you're bitching about Assassin's Creed, by now you should just know, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Y'all can say whatever you want about this fucking series and how boring it is and how oh you just ran here you got information then you fucking then you sat on this bench and then you killed this guy yeah i fucking did for fucking hours and i loved it so i don't care you don't like it get out the podcast (laughs) i'm just kidding but anyway yeah i love assassin's creed but it does get really boring basically what he does is that he goes to a different town like he'll go to damascus he'll go to jerusalem and and they make him relearn the fu- make him relearn everything even though he fucking you know he knows it but they make him go through he has to do his research he has to find the information he needs to figure out who he needs to kill they won't tell him 
the pi- <laughs> like each each city has an assassin bureau in it where like you have an ally that'll you know give you a place to stay give you a place to like you know tell your information and they're in direct contact with al in like they they know who you have to kill mm-hmm. and only they can give you the order like okay you have everything that you need you're good you're right so you do that nine different times <laughs> as you're killing these fucking men you start realizing like first off like i said before they're all militant they're all like some of them are fucking like torturing people some of them are just like the one the very first guy that you do he like stabs some guy right in a fountain in the middle of the street <laughs> like in damascus like, yeah. there's so many people there and then you just got to kill him too like you just then you show up and I'm, Oh, you want to kill people in the street, bitch? I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm the street stabber here. <laughs> as as Altair's like taking out these targets, during their last fucking words, he starts realizing that they're fucking working together. And he doesn't get why. He's like, wait a second, like, why are all these people like how how are these targets that you know, how did the guy that I killed fucking back in Damascus? Why is he working with this guy? Yeah. And he starts he starts just seeing it. And he goes through the he goes through his list of targets. Eventually, he gets them all, <clears throat> and then he uh, eventually it comes down to a showdown where he needs like Al Mualin. They all basically he sends him after Robert. He he gets all of his like lower people, all the fucking Templars that were like trying to control. That's basically what they were. All these targets ended up being like Templars, but Altair had no idea. Hmm. Like he just didn't realize is because the. Because, like, Robert has the fucking... Robert's wearing, like, the holy armament. Like, he's with little Richard in the army. So, like, all the Templars in the army are wearing, like, the cross. Yeah. Are wearing the red cross, just like, you know, in, in our history. These are men that are, like... One of them was, like, the, rich, the richest man in Damas. Like, these are just, like, rich, well, well-made men in the cities that are helping. That are part of the Templar order, but they're not fighting with the Templars, like, on the fucking battlefield against, you know, everyone that's fighting in the fucking Holy Land. They just, they, they see the victor who's coming, and they're trying to put themselves in good graces with them. Yes. Well, they also, they also all believe in the ideology. Like, that's how, that's what, as he kills them and they have their last words, that's what, they all, like, have the same sort of ideology behind them, and then they also start saying about, like, their work. And, like, who they were working with and stuff like that without giving it away, without telling him what it is. And he's just, he's starting to, he's, he's starting to, it, it confuses him. He doesn't understand, like, where all these people, like, what it's all coming to. Basically, at the end, Robert is trying to, like, unite all the warring factions in the Holy Land against the assassins. He's like, oh, you want to drop logs on my guys? Like, fuck you. I'm a fucking... <laughs> I'm going to round up the boys and come back. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, we're rounding up everybody and coming for your fucking castle. Altair fucking goes, like a boss, goes right to him. Goes right to the fucking Templar host by himself. <laughs> goes right up to, like, like, King Richard. And he basically tells him, like, yo, like, your dude here is fucking with your shit. Like... King Richard doesn't want the same as the Templars. King Richard isn't a Templar. Robert, his lieutenant, is a Templar. Mm-hmm. So he has been, like, commanding all these men underneath King Richard to try to take over his fucking, you know, take over the fucking Holy Land and be in control themselves because he's the Grandmaster of the Templar Order. Altair shows up to the fucking host by him fucking self, calls dude out right to his king. Hey, you got a traitor. He's right fucking there. <laughs> to which Robert is just like, fuck, you're going to believe this guy? 
This guy just shows the fuck up and fucking Altair is like, I showed up here by myself, bro. Like, if I if I gotta die to prove my point, I'll die and prove my point. So, like, King Richard's at a fucking impasse. Here. He kinda, <laughs> he's not a fucking idiot. He kind of sees, like, okay, this guy's crazy. This guy's either crazy or he's telling the fucking truth. <laughs> and he kind of seems like he's telling the truth. So, what does King Richard do? Leaves it in God's hands. <laughs> He says, we're not we're not the kind of men to make these decisions. We'll leave it in God's hand. You guys can sit here and fight before me, and whoever fucking wins just gets it. Hell yeah. And that's exactly that's exactly what happened. A whole bunch of fucking Robert's fucking men come after fucking Altair, but Altair is a fucking master assassin. Having But he lost to him once already. Huh? He gets his ass beat once already. He did, but he went he learned he relearned the creed. He re- he got like each assassination he got to get like a piece of equipment back he got his sword back he got his knife back he got his fucking throwing knives back he got his hidden blade back eventually he like that's what the whole point of this all was like he slowly built up like all these fucking skills and stuff like that and he fought off all of fucking robert's men and then eventually him and robert had a fucking showdown and he fucking he fucking beat him he got him he fucking beat him (laughs) story over do you think so Mm mm-mm Mm-mm. In Robert's dying breath, he tells Altair about how there wasn't nine people who found the treasure that Al Mualin originally wanted. There was ten. <laughs> who was the tenth name? Al Mualin. <laughs> Al Mualin actually betrayed the assassins because he is actually working with the Templars the whole fucking time. And he had and Altair he, take out all the other conspirators. He had Altair take out all the other Templars who knew about the Peace of Eden. The that's basically that's that that's the treasure they were looking for. It was a piece of Eden. It was the Apple of Eden, which lets people control uh, the minds of the humans. <clears throat> This is what Amualim wants, and then he wanted to kill off any fucking person who had fucking knowledge of it, so he would just have it for fucking ever. This kind of ticks Altair off. Yeah, a little bit. Yep. Altair goes back to Masyaf, which he finds completely zombified, <laughs> because guess who has the fucking treasure? Amualim. Uh, he confronts Amualim, who kind of tries to use the apple against Altair, but eventually, like, just old man... And Altair is Altair. He's one of Desmond's relatives, which is also a human Isu hybrid, a descendant of a human Isu hybrid. Sorry, that's that's the reason why Desmond like basically has this, and like why his ancestors are important. They have descended from an Isu human hybrid, and they have enough they have enough Isu DNA that these pieces of Eden will react with them. Other people don't. Other people have like point zero 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 two percent of Isu blood or Isu DNA in them, and like okay, Desmond's like a normal human, but he had like five times the amount of human of Isu DNA in his in his DNA than a normal human. Hmm. He was just like the most like he had the most in it for a, a normal human being in modern times. However, his ancestors and stuff like. You can see why they're kind of like why he was able to like over like why he was able to learn so quick and take over Robert is because they're kind they're he's not a normal human. Mm-hmm. They have Isu human DNA in them, which makes them just slightly a little bit better, a little bit more adaptive. They can learn quicker. They also have the eagle vision. That's part of they say like Isu must have had like it on a crazy scale, which basically allows you like kind of like I don't even know like lets you see like. It's like a black light only you can use. 
Like they, they're able to see like messages written in blood from years prior and stuff like that. And they're able to like track certain people a certain way due to this vision that they have, which is just a, just a trait. It's actually the sixth trait. Isus, I forgot to mention, Isu have six senses. Hmm. One being the eagle vision. Wow, humans. They have a triple helix DNA. And hmm. we only have a double helix DNA. Yeah. So that's, why, that's how they explain that they're like superhuman or they're just a little bit more better than us you'll see later on like I'll try, as i as i post pictures and stuff you'll see like human there's parts in the later games where you see isu right next to human you can just tell it's like jesus fuck like they're huge compared <laughs> to fucking us like they're just bigger they almost look like mechanical or some shit like that they have like these lights coming from them and stuff but yeah he he confronts and eventually defeats al mualin to where he like tells the old man like dude what's wrong with you like what the <laughs> fuck like we were all c- you tricked me <laughs> we were all cool here and you just f- you just fucked everything and he was just like it basically told him like like it's the apple man like <laughs> if you knew you'd understand and he's like well you should have destroyed it he's like well i didn't and he's <laughs> like well i will and almawalin says we'll see about that We'll see about that. Now, what does he do? Altair eventually goes over to the apple, and it fucking reacts to him. <clears throat> Giant hologram of the Earth just shows up, <laughs> and this is what the Templars wanted from Desmond. It's a map to all the other pieces of Eden. Oh, damn. Yeah, it had it was basically like a tracking system and stuff like that in it that it, it could show you where the other pieces are located and stuff like that. And even one time when they figure it out, Warren Vidic even says, like, they basically say that they only need a couple. They don't need them all. They don't need, you know what I mean? They'll get their hands on what they can. He's like, yeah, because two of them are on land masses that don't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, one's probably in uh, Atlantis, <laughs> chilling down below the deep, <clears throat> or some shit like that. And that's basically what happens. Like, they figure out where the other pieces of Eden are. They, uh, they eventually want to kill Miles, but Lucy saves him because they think, because Lucy thinks that they'll need him later. That, like, all this. She basically, she's like, you know how these things work. You've seen how these things work. Like, a certain guy has to do a, you know what I mean? Like, not everybody can control it. Like, not everybody who could hold the piece of Eden could control it. It would corrupt them. That's mm-hmm. kind of like why Al Mualin like became corrupted by it. Versus Altair can hold it, and it doesn't affect him the same because he has those because he's an, a human ESO descendant. And that's basically where the first one le- leaves off. Just a bunch, just a huge fucking cliffhanger. <laughs> just yeah, just like. Just so you know, there's more of them out there. Yeah, just just leaves. Yeah, they just try to kill him, but eventually Lucy Lucy saves Desmond. Boom, that's the end of Assassin's Creed One and Altair. Altair eventually uh, will get actually into him a little bit more here in the next couple episodes. Where are we at? I've talked for an hour and I'm only through one episode. <laughs> this one's gonna be a long one. It's all right. This one might be like two hours long because like the next one. The next one's super condensed. It's actually three games. It's Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and Assassin's Creed Revelations. But I'm going to condense them because it's all Ezio's story. Mm. The ancestor that Desmond uh, visited, visits this time is Ezio Auditore. Uh, he's from Florence, or Firenze. Sorry. Desmond sinks with Ezio Auditore da Firenze. He, uh... Basically, in the second one, you uh, it comes up. Lucy wants you to escape. Lucy comes back into the room. She's covered in fucking blood. <laughs> da 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 da. 
she's an assassin. She's an undercover assassin who's been like infiltrated the Templars this whole time to like for seven years to try to figure out what they've been doing with this animus technology and like trying to figure out what they find. Now she's ready to escape with Desmond. She realized that they got what they wanted from Desmond. They're going to kill him, but she needs that. She understands that like Desmond's we need Desmond. He's the so heat. yeah. So she hooks him up into the animus right before they fucking leave real quick. And the in, instantly syncs him up with one of his other ancestors who is also he syncs up through like uh subject 16 the 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 one before him um during during the time that desmond was like in his cell and stuff like that before they leave he notices like what i was saying about the eagle vision he notices like messages left on the wall he's like he's like his eagle vision's kind of like going like crazy in modern time and he's like seeing all these stuff like on the floor and on the wall and it's like written in old blood and stuff like that and he's so confused on it but he but he he's pretty sure he understands that it's from subject 16 the guy that was there before him which they said died from his experience in the animus so he loads up with Ezio, and they don't it's in like 1476 he doesn't really understand why yet like he's just like they they do escape abstergo they eventually they get away uh lucy shows off some fucking badass assassin skills dispatching some guards hmm. which is pretty fucking soon <laughs> there's a part where she basically these guards come out and lucy just fucking like runs up takes them both down fucking whoops their ass and desmond's just like holy shit <laughs> it's like what the fuck it's like just doesn't like all these like it's fucking real life now he's not in a simulation so anyway <clears throat> they escape of sergo they take desmond to an old fucking hideout that they have somewhere where lucy explains that they want to turn him into an assassin like they want him to they want him to train and be an assassin to which he's like uh fuck no that's gonna take years that's why i left yeah i'm like 20 some years old i can't like it's gonna it take years for you guys to treat teach me this stuff to which lucy says not with the bleeding effect now what the bleeding effect is is why desmond could kind of use his eagle vision in modern times being in the animus and being with his ancestor kind of like triggered it in a sense the bleeding effect what you do is that he lives through his ancestors and as he does everything that his ancestors do over that short amount of time, he learns their skills. Mm-hmm. As Ezio goes, or as he was fighting with Altair, he didn't really realize it, but he was like starting to pick up those fucking combat skills just from living in the end. Like you could literally stay in the Animus for like a day, do years like years of fucking combat training in like a couple of days. He literally like that's that's the goal here. Mm. Ezio was a legendary assassin. We'll figure out why later. Legendary assassin. And that's why basically they wanted to train Desmond and give him Ezio's fucking combat skills so he could help during the fight. Now we'll get into Ezio. Like I said, 1476, Ezio Auditore is the son of... Shit. Where'd I put his name? <laughs> uh... Not important. His father was a banker. His father was a banker. Oh, Giovanni. That's what it was. Giovanni. Giovanni Auditore was his father. He was a banker. He was. Fr- he basically ran the Medici Bank. And the Medicis was a very rich, powerful uh, family who basically was in tr- control of the area. I don't know his exact position uh, at the time, but they ran the area. Ezio's father was uh, really good friends with them. They were rich. Ezio had two brothers, a sister, 
They were rich. He was a ladies' man. Like, you literally, like, right in the beginning of the game, he's living the life. Hmm. Like, he, he, I'm pretty sure he gets, like, run out of uh, some girl's room by her father. He, like, <laughs> has to jump out the window as, after he's done putting it to her. Ezio's just a man, and he just doesn't want, he's, you know, he's living the life. He doesn't want anything to end. Uh, but it will. Hmm. Because his father will end up being, his, his father uncovered a plot to kill the Medici. And the person who was behind it, his name was Rodrigo Borgia. The Borgias were actually a real family back then. I don't, I don't know if Rodrigo was a real man. I didn't look into that. Like I said, I was all about the game. Not, I know some things are historical, but uh, I didn't really go into like the exact historical because there's a lot of information here. So anyway, the Borgia finds out that Giovanni knows, so they set up a plot to kill him, basically, and. It fucking works. Uh, Ezio's dad is arrested, to which Ezio like kind of like sneaks over to the jail and is able to like talk to his dad. His dad tells him to go into his study, find a fucking, find a trunk that's locked in there, take everything that's in it along with a letter, and give it to a man called uh, I know his first name. I just want to get his last name right. Huberto Alberti, which was the justice manager. He was to give it, basically he was like, yo, like, this is, like, you got the wrong man. My dad figured out that this guy's trying to kill the Medici and stuff like this. Like, Mm -hmm. you need to fucking save my dad. To which Huberto was like, oh, like, we got you, son. Don't worry. It's all just just a misunderstanding. We got him tomorrow and everything like that. Think that worked? Nope. Never. Nope. They took Ezio's father and his two brothers and Huberto, who was actually working with bum 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 rodrigo borgia (laughs) has Ezio's father and brothers killed right in the middle of town right in front of Ezio. seems like a theme kill a lot of people in the middle of town just so everyone knows (laughs) the equations and the calculations history repeats (laughs) itself Ezio. Ezio is devastated him and his mom and his sister have to flee uh, have to flee the area, have to flee Firenze and stuff like that, have to leave his whole world fucking turned upside fucking down. And he fucking leaves, and eventually he fucking, uh, he kind of hides. He hides, he gets his mother and them, like, safe, and then he hides, and he's kind of taught by, like, the courtesans and other, like, family members like family friends of his dad and stuff and, and stuff they they start teaching him like these little skills and stuff like that so he can so he can get his revenge so he can go after these people because he's he's a privileged fucking white kid let's italian white kid let's be uh completely honest so they realize like yeah you can't take on these guys by yourself you need to <laughs> you need to train up a little bit so he fucking does um his dad who, like I said, he was an assassin. He left him a hidden blade, to which he was super confused about, has no idea about his family's heritage, has <laughs> no idea that he comes from a line of fucking assassins and stuff like that, and they have super, like, important work to be done. Um, the hidden blade's uh, a little messed up, so he goes to a family friend, Leonardo da Vinci, <laughs> who helps him create the, the uh, modern form of the hidden blade. He makes some modifications to it so Ezio can fucking... Uh, the original assassin's blade required the removal of your ring finger. As you 
had the blade underneath you, certain muscles on your wrist would engage it, would engage the uh, blade to move forward. But the way that it sat on the wrist, and it was, there was no way that you could get your ring finger away from it. So when you were given your hidden blade in ancient times, like way back in the day, you cut off your ring finger to show your loyalty to the brotherhood. <laughs> and then you got your hidden blade because that's what, and it would, and that's how it was. It's kind of how assassins like recognized each other too. Like sometimes they would like flash the ring finger and you'd, oh. Like the ring finger they don't have. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy does it to Desmond. That's how he kind of, that's how he finally like realizes like, oh shit, like she's undercover. It's like she eventually, she like throws up her hand and is like, just try to have a little faith. <laughs> Shows that she doesn't have a ring finger and he's like, oh fuck, this bitch. So anyway, Ezio trains, um, he gets his hidden blade, he trains up a little bit, he goes after Uberto, boom, gets him. Dead, <laughs> done, him. yep. Announces his fucking revenge to, like, everybody in fucking town. <clears throat> and then he has to flee. Because the people who were going to kill the Medici wasn't just the Borgia, it was also a family which he fucking can't stand. Him and his dad were, like, him and his fam- him, his family and this family, the Potsies, they were fucking, they hated each other. They did not like it. So he fled with his mother and his sister out of fucking town. And he went, they, they were on the road, I think, to go to Rome, possibly, when his uncle, uh, Mario, which is the worst part of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> the worst part of Assassin's Creed is when Ezio finds his fucking uncle and his uncle says, Ezio, it's a me, a Mario. It's just the worst fucking <laughs> out of everything that fucking ever happens in Assassin's Creed. Like they just had to. Anyway, the Patsies fucking attack Ezio and them on the road. He is saved by his uncle, which takes him to uh, the Via de Auditore in Monte Monteregioni. I, I I never fucking Monteregioni. Sure. I can't, it's a real place. Montegironi is a real town. The fucking Via de Auditore is, isn't there. It's actually a town in like, it, like one side faces Rome, the other side faces Florence. I can't remember. It's a real fucking place. This is where they flee to. To which Mario tells Ezio all about his heritage. He tells him about how his dad You're was an, an assassin. Ass- yeah, he tells him about how his dad's an assassin. He's an assassin. They've come from a fucking long line of fucking assassins. And they need to fucking fight the Templars. To which Ezio's just like... You gonna help me get my revenge? He's <laughs> 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 like, as long as... If it's got revenge in the fucking name, let's do it. And for... Yeah, and for, like, years, he just, he, Ezio's story takes, I think, 20 years in total. All three of these games will will amass over 20 fucking years, I'm pretty sure. And uh, basically, after that, after he trains up, he just starts fucking going after the Borgia's men. Like, he just starts, he starts going after the, he finds a... Vierdi Pazzi, which was the one that was his age, the one of the Pazzi's that was his age. He finds his father Francesco, fucking takes him out. He finds another Pazzi. I think it was, was it? It was either Marco or Jacobo. Either way, he found another Pazzi. He just starts taking out the Borgias, man. And the Borgias starting to get fucking pissed off at this. Like the Borgias <laughs> got fucking plans. This dude's trying to. The Borgia is the fucking the Grand Master of the Templar Order in Florence at this time, <clears throat> in 1476. 
Um, basically, what it comes down to is the Borgias have a plot to kill the Doge of Venice. The Doge. Yeah, the Doge. I don't know if it's. I don't know if we should. If I should pronounce it Doge or Doge, but the British guy in the video was calling it Doge. So much ruler. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Basically, they wanted to kill the Doge, and for obvious reasons, once they killed the Doge, then they could put men in in positions of power so then they could have the control that's again history repeats itself um checks out yeah Ezio figures it out he tries to save the doge didn't work did not work um or maybe it did work I can't remember if that was the one he killed or not Yes, okay, yes it was. Yeah, the Doge was killed, but Ezio soon killed all conspirators. While killing the conspirators who killed the Doge, he realized that the Borgia was after something in Cyprus. The Borgia wasn't around. He, was, he, he went for something in Cyprus. Um, what he wanted in Cyprus would take two years. Take two years to figure out. Now, during this time, at the Auditore Vila, there is... A sort of uh, a sort of map, basically. Over the years, Mario has tried to collect these codex pages left behind by Altair. Altair left these codex pages behind to like basically he he drew a map to one of the pieces of Eden, and they didn't know what it was gonna. They had no idea what the fuck it was. They just knew that these Kodaks pages mean, you know, hopefully, maybe it would lead to a piece of Eden, but no one fucking knew. So over these two years, in the game, it's collectibles. You have to go to a certain place, and you have to find all these different Codex pages, put them together, and you get the map. <clears throat> um, also, during this time, after the Doge was killed, the Borgia amassed huge influence in the area and eventually became Pope. <laughs> yeah. Wonder... It wasn't even about really becoming Pope, though. It was because he needed he needed another piece of Eden, which um, is the papal staff. <laughs> the papal staff and another piece of Eden were said to be a key to the vault. There was a vault where Borgia thought... <laughs> get this. The Borgia thought God <laughs> was in the vault. Just he thought he would yes just he, chilling in there yes he thought <laughs> that he would open up the vault and find God yeah we'll just leave that there Ezio and, Ezio and them thought otherwise Ezio and them knew that Altair left uh, messages behind to try to figure out like these precursors that, Ezio didn't know what he was going to find either but Ezio knew he wasn't Ezio knew well aware that it wasn't going to be fucking God <laughs> you know what I mean um. Sorry. Um, yeah, the Borgia, the Borgia became the Pope. He had the papal staff, and he thought himself was the prophet. The prophet was like... The prophet was the one to believe to be open the vault. And the Borgia thought himself to be the prophet. There's a point where him and Ezio come together. Ezio ends up stealing the piece of... like he had, The Borgia had an apple Eden. Ezio steals it. And in the midst, like he's like saying, like, yo, like, I'm the fucking prophet, bro. Like... He, <laughs> At this time, the fucking he fights off the Borgia and stuff like that, and 
all the assassins like Mario, all these fucking family friends and stuff of his like come around and they just start telling him that he's assassin, like that they're assassins. That's how this comes about. Anyway, the Borgia thinks he's the prophet. He gets the papal staff. The only thing that he needs left is the apple of Eden. Ezio confronts him in <laughs> during a church mass. <laughs> yeah, he's giving Damn. he's giving a speech, and Ezio's just up in the fucking rafters, like <laughs> coming after fucking dude. He jumps down and fucking tries to take him out, but the Borgia fucking uses the papal staff to fucking you know to fucking get him off him, and together they fight. Like, Ezio has a piece of Eden. He, like, uses it to make four forms of himself to come out to fight the Borgia, but the Borgia also has a giant staff, and he's a little bit more... He knows a little bit more about the staff than Ezio, so he ends up overcoming Ezio mildly. He beats him. He beats gets four the, of them. Yeah, he beats four of them. He gets the best of you. Um, he takes the piece of Eden, and he kind of opens the vault he like goes down into like the underground vault and stuff like that but when he gets down but when Ezio like eventually comes to and he goes down he's just the boards is just sitting there Rodrigo's just bashing on the wall like open what the fuck (laughs) he's so pissed off he can't yeah you're not the prophet bro you're not the one sorry yeah to which Ezio they have another little fight fucking Ezio gets the better of him but Ezio doesn't kill him Ezio says that killing you won't bring my father back. It won't bring my brothers back. You know, I'm, I beat you. Scurry on. And he lets the board you go. To which then... You go Ezio, get out of here now. Yeah. To which Ezio... Um, <clears throat> Ezio uh, puts his hand on the papal staff with the, with, with the apple of Eden. And boom! Vault opens up. To and which there's he, God. <laughs> kinda. <laughs> Kinda. That's what we thought were gods. No, he shows up and uh, he shows up down in there, and a uh, a hologram of Minerva shows up, which then tells. Um, is that the bad one or the good one? I don't remember. Minerva is the good one. Okay. Minerva is the one that's not trying to manipulate humans. She wants to help humans. She wants the humans to find their technology so they can probably so they can possibly improve upon it to save everyone. Okay. Now, she shows up and she basically explains to Ezio of the catastrophe, to which he's just... Where the sun goes boom. Yeah, to which he's just like, what the fuck? Who the... What is... What? Holograms and shit, 1476, Florence, not adding up, has no idea. But, at the end of everything, Minerva says... The rest, we cannot do anymore. We are gone from this world. The rest is up to you, Desmond. <laughs> and Ezio is just like, who's Desmond? Who's Desmond? <laughs> but in the game, you hear Desmond's voice, and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he literally is just like, this fucking hologram just addressed me directly while I'm living in a machine through my fucking hand. And that's exactly, they knew this with all the simulations and everything that Minerva placed, that she knew this would happen. And she set mm-hmm. them here for this reason. Now, before we get on to uh, Brotherhood and Revelations, I just want to say that's Ezio's purpose. Ezio is a conduit. Ezio is literally just the mailman. Ezio did everything in his fucking life. I guess you could say he also kept the pieces of Eden out of the Templar's hands. But when you actually think about it, they couldn't have used them for what they were meant for. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I guess they could have, like, controlled people and stuff, and that fight would have just kept going on. Like, the assassins would have fought the Templars, but none of the Templars could use it. Only Desmond and his fucking ancestors could use these things in, like, the right way to get the messages that they wanted. Later on, we'll get to, like, some of the other things, like the observatory and stuff, after Desmond's time. But that's it. Ezio's a conduit. Ezio, Ezio's whole fucking life was to deliver the fucking message to Desmond in modern times. Yeah, like 600 years later. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> boom, we're going to move forward into the next game, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Uh, the Templars find the hideout, like, wherever the fuck that uh, Desmond, Lucy, uh, their other, like, two, uh, Sean Hastings and Rebecca Crane, they're, like, two, like, uh, tech-savvy fucking assassins. You'll see them a lot in, like, the games. They're just, like, kind of, like, the two funny members that are always part of the assassins in the game. Uh, they the, the Templars find them, and they have to fucking make a quick fucking escape. Desmond, using his fucking sweet-ass new abilities that he learned from Ezio <laughs> in just a couple of days, fucking takes out a whole bunch of Templar fucking guards. Oh, Warren yeah. Vidic shows up in a fucking van, but fucking... Obviously, Desmond takes out all of his men, and when it's just those two, Warren dips out. He's like, uh, all right. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna enjoy your victory. Short lived. <laughs> lived to fight another day. Yes. <laughs> so, <clears throat> they move to a new hideout. Guess where it's at? Monterra Gioni. They go out to the fucking Auditoria Villa. They fucking they set up shop under fucking neath it. It's one of the last hideouts the assassins have in the fucking area. So they they know they're like, you know, they're on they're on pretty close watch. Like, they might get fucking discovered soon. Now, what they're doing in this game is that they're looking for the piece of Eden that Ezio had. Ezio hid it somewhere away from fucking where anybody else could, and they're trying to find it because, obviously, they don't want the fucking Templars to have it. <clears throat> now, Ezio leaving the Borgia to uh, live? Bad mistake. Real bad mistake. Like you said, he was at the he was the Pope at the time, and right now you only, and during the first during Assassin's Creed Two, the first part of Ezio's, you only meet Rodrigo Borgia. Now you get to meet his son <laughs> and his daughter slash daughter-in-law. <laughs> Cesare Borgia fucking sends an onslaught onto the fucking Auditory Villa. Like, he just fucking shows up, cannons fucking blazing, takes over the fucking place, and ends up killing Ezio's uncle Mario. Oh, no. Yes. Just, this guy, <laughs> just can't catch a fucking break, this guy. But it's like, it's almost like his refuel. Like, first he needed his, his dad and his brothers to die, then he got the refuel to fucking go after I and get his... I need more vengeance. Yeah, I need more. So, um... So yeah, the 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 whole assassin brotherhood at this point, like once they took over fucking Ezio, the Auditore Villa killed Mario. They uh, they kidnapped one of their fuck one of the assassins, um, one of their associates, a woman who was very powerful at the time and who they needed. Um, everything was in disarray. The fucking brotherhood was basically fucking smashed. Nothing left to it. But dun da da da. Ezio Auditore da Frenze shows up. Ezio, like, basically just takes, like, the next few years, along with uh, Niccolo Machiavelli. There's also uh, La Volpe, which is, I think it's Italian for the fox. <laughs> I think that's I'm not too sure. Basically, he, uh, he goes to Rome, and he fucking builds the Brotherhood up. 
He starts recruiting. He starts going around. He starts telling people that the liberation of fucking Rome is coming. And if you fucking want to fight against the Borgias, you sign up right back here with these cool hooded guys. <laughs> and he fucking builds up the Assassin Brotherhood. Uh, at this, on the night that he uh, initiates his sister <clears throat> into the Brotherhood, he is made El Mentore. Uh, Niccolo Machiavelli dubs him the mentor of the entire Assassin's Brotherhood at that time. Like, he ba- like all these other motherfuckers couldn't do shit compared to Ezio. Ezio was the one who came into Rome. He First off, he fought the Borgias in the first place. They believed in him. He fucking defeated him. Then he came into Rome. He's still fighting against them. He built the Brotherhood up from fucking nothing, and now they're fucking, they're a formidable force. Now, like I said, I'm going to summarize this game, really, because that's literally all Brotherhood. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. It's literally all about the Brotherhood. Exactly. That's all it's about. And then you come to, you come to a fucking, you come to a very uh, climactic ending to the Borgias. Basically, there's a strife between Cesare and his dad. Rodrigo's the fucking pope. He's the grandmaster of the fucking Templar Order. Like bitch, bitch boy son, you're gonna listen to fucking me, Cesare. Uh, which, by the way, is incest. Him and his sister have been fucking for a while and shit like that. He's been telling her that his, his sister's going to be his princess once he takes over and shit. <clears throat> Basically, the uh, Rodrigo tries to have his son poisoned. And at that, his daughter warns her brother, to which her brother freaks out, shoves the apple in his dad's mouth, and ends up killing his dad. Um, but Ezio gets the piece of Eden in the long run. Ezio ended up stealing back the piece of Eden that they stole from them when they took the villa. <clears throat> he gets the piece of Eden back, and Cesare is just like, Cesare keeps trying to, like, he sends guards after him, but they can't fight Ezio and stuff like that. Cesare flees. Eventually, he was arrested for, like, Rome comes, and they fucking arrest him for being an inbred motherfucker, or incest. Him and his sister fucking all the time. And killing a pope. Yes. Well, <sighs> I can't remember. I just don't want I you're probably 100% right, but I just don't want to say it because I can't remember that part of the game. They do I know they do show up and they definitely say like, yeah, like you're definitely going to jail for incest. But Cesare also at this time like has a huge has a huge fucking force behind him. Like he literally just took over his dad's force too. Yeah. So, he has a huge force behind him, he eventually escapes and he leaves, leaving fucking Ezio pissed. <laughs> so he just Ezio goes right after him. Like Ezio just follows him and eventually he fucking he catches up with them. They fight on this giant fucking tower. He like overcomes him. Cesare's still being a fucking little bitch. They scream, you can't kill no man can kill me. So Ezio's like, bright idea. Okay. I can't kill you. He holds him up. <laughs> he holds him up over the tower and just <laughs> just lets him go as a chance of fate like gravity will do my work yep we'll see if you live or die motherfucker <laughs> and that's what it is uh he he gets the fucking he gets the apple eaten he gets his revenge on the borgia family the borgia family is finally wiped out for fucking damn near wiping out his fucking family <laughs> and in the meantime Ezio or yeah Ezio hides the piece of eden and desmond is able to find it under the roman Colosseum. <laughs> Yeah, it's a huge actually thing. Like in the Auditor Villa, they leave like dates and stuff like that. 1492, 1420, 1421. And it's like, I can't remember exactly how they explain it, but somehow that relates to the 72 names of God and like 
when you put all the 72 letters in an equilateral triangle, they all equal up to the same, like, something as 72. Hmm. And the Roman Colosseum was began being built in the year 72. So it's like this, all these, like, hints that Ezio left behind for Desmond to find the piece of Eden. They go to the Roman Colosseum. They go through a, a little fucking... Basically, they leave a little assassin's parkour fucking test for Desmond to get through. He does. When he goes up and he finds the piece of Eden, he goes to grab it, and it fucking initiates right away. And it takes, it like literally freezes everyone, including him, to where, like, Juno shows up, and she, the bad one, Juno shows up and basically tells him, she shows him a vision, basically, that Lucy will betray them. Lucy's going to take the e- the apple back to Abstergo eventually and betray the assassins. Probably because she thinks that Abstergo might be able to save what ha- like once she finds out about the catastrophe, she probably doesn't think that anybody can, you know, stop the coronal mass except for Abstergo because they have all the power, the wealth, she and the fucking a billion dollar company. Exactly. So, what does the fucking Isu fucking simulation do? You can't fuck up our plans, little bitch. <laughs> she, they force fucking... They, like, force Desmond to kill Lucy. Yeah. Yeah, they force him to, like, use his hidden blade. He fucking stabs Lucy, and then he just collapses. Boom. Like, too much fucking neurotrans fucking emitters and shit going on from the animus and stuff. Um, with that... That ends the that ends brotherhood. Um, during with the, him killing her, with him killing her and him collapsing on the floor in the Colosseum. Now during the credits, you'll hear. So wait, they went to the Colosseum in the modern time to get that. Yes, okay. yes, all that stuff. When I talk about Desmond, Desmond go like Ezio finds these things. Ezio finds like the piece of Eden and then he hides it. And then what he does is that he goes to like Monte Regione and he leaves those dates. And then he, and then other places where like they figure out where Ezio was, he leaves clues for Ez, for. But couldn't they just use the animus to watch when he hit it? Yeah, but you just have to wait years. You'd have to like load years in advance because that's how it works. Like you load the memories as you go. Like they can't get to a certain memory. Like okay, say they load it up in fourteen seventy six. Like I said, they can't load a memory from fifteen hundred until they live. Hmm. They can only sink to where his DNA will take him, which is conveniently at the beginning of the game. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's basically how they run that. Is like, and they just waste time. Like if you just sit there and take a couple extra days to just like figure it. Like as soon as they can figure out where the fucking piece of Eden is, they need to go get it. Yeah, because like also like like I said, Abstergo has like they can tap into like cell phones like they're the fucking conglomerate of the fucking world like they got, they own everything they fucking have all the control all the power all the technology and stuff like that so it's like that's basically what they're like as soon as they figure it out in the animus like plus when you think about it um as soon as he lives these anybody could use the information what you need in the animus is just the blood of somebody you don't have to be the direct person of the descendant if you have the dna of the descendant that's how you relive the memories Mm -hmm. you'll see this later in assassin's creed 4 black flag i'll explain how that actually works but for right now it's we'll keep going with Ezio's story and stuff like that because i still have Ezio's story and then i have connor's story i have two more games to fucking cover we're at an hour and a half i told you this one was gonna go fucking two hours but it's fine i think i can wrap this up in a good a good 15 minutes each so during the credits of the second one you hear two voices where it's just like 
talking about how Desmond, when Desmond collapsed, he's completely unstable. He, like, the animus compared with the, the piece of Eden has his fucking brain all mush. And they throw him into the animus. They just throw him, they immediately put him right into his body into the animus, which immediately uploads his conscious into, like, the base form of the program, where it just has, like, textile stuff, like, fucking surroundings. You just see, like, a beach, like, a little mountain. You can see, like, megapixels all over the place and stuff. But guess who else is in here, too? Subject 16. Hmm. Subject 16's consciousness is still uploaded into the animus from fucking Abstergo. So his, like, consciousness is, like, talking with Desmond. And he, like, basically tells him, like, yo, you're lucky. Like, whoever put you in here is lucky. The animus is stabilizing all your memories. But what ha- what is happening is that all of the bleeding effect, all the time that he's spent inside the animus, all of his ancestors are just mashing in on each other they don't know what like his brain can't decipher mm. which one's which he can't tell what Altair's memories from fucking Ezio's memories from Desmond's memories so what he says that he has to do is that in order to fucking regain control of his body and fucking survive he just needs to relive Ezio's story which is what the Peace of Eden in- initiated in the Roman Colosseum <clears throat> so that's what he does uh, he has to keep going in through Ezio's story um <clears throat> and the people on the outside are still Lucy's dead, Rebecca Crane, Sean Hastings, and now his father, William Miles, has now shown up. Don't know where he came from, but he found them, and being the mentor of the assassins, he's trying to help Desmond now get his way out. He knows a little, he's, he's an expert on the animus. He knows how to, like, that's why he knew to throw in, that's why he knew to put Desmond in, or else he'd die. And stuff like that. And that's what Subject 16 is like. Whoever whoever decided to put you in here is pretty smart. <laughs> You're pretty fucking lucky. Because, like, right in the beginning, he's just like... They were just like, you collapsed. And he's like, oh, yeah. And naturally, without seeing if I was all right, you put me in the fucking animus, didn't you? And he's like, would you shut up? <laughs> like, I saved your fucking ass. <laughs> so, anyway. At this point, we go way into the future... Probably about like another 10 years or so. Ezio, I think, is getting in his 40s. He's kind of an old man. He's, he's getting there. But he's a master assassin at this point. Uh, what he does is he explores further into his father's research of the pieces of Eden. After the Borgia family is taken care of and everything like that, he understands that Altair left all this information back. He's seen all these holograms, these different these different stuff from the civilization that's come before. And he, he understands that he still has a plit. Like there's still something that he has to do. There's still something that he has to find. And what he does is eventually he finds a letter from his father describing a library under Masioff castle, which is the original, uh, the original home place of Altair and Al Mualin and the original assassins mm-hmm. from way back then there's that he spoke of a, a, a of a library that was in there. And, uh, in that library, he would be able to find the location of the grand temple, which the grand temple was the Isu temple where they needed to go to figure out how to like stop the world from ending. They knew that this was the one where eventually what it comes to is Minerva made the eye. Minerva made the second eye there um so yes okay so Masioff Castle 
at the beginning, Ezio, like the very, it's one of the most badass fucking cinematic <laughs> trailer. I know I've showed it to you a bunch of times. Um, the cinematic trailer for uh, Assassin's Creed Revelations is insane. Um, Ezio uh, travels to the Masioff Castle, to which he finds a Templar host. He starts spanking the fuck out of most of them. And uh, then he starts kind of having this bleeding effect of himself. Hmm. From Desmond living his memories through him, he starts seeing, like, Ezio starts seeing visions of Altair. And it kind of, like, distracts him and stuff. The Templars fucking... The Templars uh, get him, take him to the castle, try to kill him. You can't kill Ezio. Sorry. It's not going to work. Uh, Is that one where they try to hang him and shit? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where they they go up... uh, What he is is they they took him to the tower where Altair made the first leap of faith to scare off uh, Robert, uh, uh, the leader of the Templars, back then when Al Mualan told, like, my men don't fear death, and, you know, they did the leap of faith. And, uh, yeah, they try to hang Ezio off it, and he just pulls a fucking... Just the craziest fucking shit, like... (laughs) It's like they they have the noose around his fucking neck and they're like tightening it and it's like just just when they get to like where it can't be much tighter he like you know he turns around he fucking elbows him he fucking whips the fucking rope around that dude's neck and then just jumps off and he's like hanging by it he gets it off of his neck and eventually swings around and just like falls down like so many stories lands on this plank of wood just stands up starts walking like a badass puts his fucking hood up and then he just getting same thing like you're just in the castle and you just start you just start going in on the templars to which you find the door to the library you find altair's library but you figure out that he that you need keys you need keys to get in and he doesn't know where they are where they actually are Niccolo Polo, uh, I believe, I don't know if it was the son, I know it was a descendant of Marco Polo, was <laughs> friends with Altair, and he sent him across all, he sent him all across Europe with these fucking keys in books, and he told him to hide them, like, yo, hide these motherfuckers, no one can fucking figure out where the fuck they are, because Altair doesn't understand exactly, he doesn't understand who the message is for, but he knows he is... He's the same thing as Ezio. He's there to deliver a message. Altair is there to, to get the piece of Eden, keep it safe, deliver the message to Ezio. Ezio is to, li- to deliver it through time to Desmond, and that's how it works. Hmm. Yes. So, his friend sent them out. So, Ezio realizes that he has to go back and find all these fucking keys throughout the fucking, uh, throughout Rome. There's other places that you go to. I know Rome's like the main one. You eventually go back to Florence during part of it. Um... So the entire time, as you find these keys, Altair leaves Ezio a message. He also leaves Desmond a message. And basically, it shows why the pieces of Eden, why they are chosen. It shows him little parts in his life where first Al-Mualin was corrupted by it. Eventually, one of Altair's, after he became mentor, after Al-Mualin, one of Altair's brothers stole the, the apple and try and like tried to use it against him, corrupted him <laughs> and stuff like that. And when Altair came up and eventually like, you know, got it from him, like when he didn't have the apple anymore, his brother like said he was sorry. He didn't understand, like, and he was he's like, This is you know what I mean? It basically shows what it's doing is that all these things are basically showing like the neurotransmitters. It's it's showing Ezio 
It's showing Ezio and Desmond why they're the ones that need to keep these out of the hands of other people because normal men can only be corrupted by all this power. They don't, when they are the ones who have who don't have the neurotransmitters and they're able to actually use them because mm-hmm. they activate with the, their Isu DNA. Altair doesn't know this. Altair just understands it from a reason like, yo, these these are way too powerful for us. Like he can't like. It's not a. It's not normal. <laughs> So, Ezio goes all around, finds all these different keys and stuff like that. He eventually meets a nice little lady, too, that he eventually settles down with. He's been single this whole time. He was a ladies' man, but he's been single this whole time. Oh, I mean, he'd have to, assuming to carry on the bloodline. Well, it could be another blood descendant of his through his father or something, or through his mother, like a sister's side. I mean, they wouldn't have his memories then. Huh? Well, then they wouldn't have his genetic memories. Good point. I don't know how that works. Because there's different because there's different points where, like, okay, like in the new one, you can either play a girl or a boy. So how does that work? Well, I mean, I think it's just, like... They're brother and sister. Uh, so how do you... That's what I mean. It's It's weird. It There's definitely... there's It's a video game. It's not perfect. It's not everything, but it's like... But yeah, basically that's that's what it the the visions from the fucking from the keys to the Masioff castle as he find each one shows him a vision as to why like this shit is not meant for us. Like you need to realize like whoever this is like you need to Altair basically wants to tell Ezio like yo you need to learn from my fucking mistakes. I kept hold of this fucking thing in my fucking hand for all this time and it caused me a whole bunch of fucking shit. Like None, they were plagued by the fact that they couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah. And they were never supposed to. So he just tried. Everybody who held these pieces, they're just like, they try, they try, they try, they try. And they, they literally have no idea. It's just like, you can't even use it the right way. This <laughs> isn't for you, motherfucker. And it's like, I want to know. So these fucking powerful pieces of shit. So Ezio finds all the fucking things. <clears throat> Eventually, uh, during this time, the... Uh, the animus like schedules 16 and desmond for deletion basically he's gone through these memories so many times where and it and it keeps like bringing him back it keeps bringing desmond back to this base program because it keeps like finding him in these memories and it tries to kick him it tries to kick him like a virus and stuff like that like yo you're not supposed to be here like fuck off and uh as it does that eventually it just like the whole program starts fucking breaking down and like the consciousness of 16 like tells him like yo it's deleting us like we're done <laughs> we're fucking going and at first you're like fuck like this dude's a dickhead like he fucking left me here he's fucking trying to and stuff like that and eventually he like 16 pushes you forward he pushes you forward so only he only his consciousness is deleted in the memory and you are the are the conscious that moves on basically it's trying to decipher which one of you which one of you is going to come is it 16 or is it desmond are you going to come through to Desmond's body or is 16's consciousness going to come through to Desmond's body? Like, which one of you? But I got to kick one of you. And eventually he pushes Desmond through to which Desmond goes to, uh, Desmond goes into the final memory of fucking Ezio. And Ezio, eventually, he gets all the keys. He fucking, <clears throat> through killing some Templars too, obviously. <laughs> That's why I'm not telling, I'm telling you the Brett, like, just the ins and outs of the stuff so you guys can go fucking play it later and enjoy it. But he finds the keys, uh, <clears throat> finds the keys, he goes there with his lady friend, I believe her name was Maria, 
And he goes down into Altair's library, to which he finds a skeleton of Altair. Altair basically locked himself away in the library, knowing that, like, he sent, like, well, the Mongols, the Mongols invaded Masyaf. Him, Altair, his son, and the, and the assassins drove him off. They didn't let him in there, but he knew that they'd be back eventually. So what he did, he just sent his son and everybody away. He, he fucking, he made him believe that the castle was completely abandoned, took everything out of it, made sure, like, the Mongols wouldn't, like, he's, ba- like, no one can find this place. Like, you can't let people fucking find this place. Like, this place can only be found when it's fucking ready, when the person who needs it can find it. So he locks himself away in his library with nothing in it except for one last fucking key, which shows Ezio that exact same... It shows him that exact same fucking um, scenario where he talks to his son, and then, you know, he sends the keys away, and then he locks himself down in there. And behind behind Altair's body... uh, is where he hid the piece of Eden. This is where Ezio finally fucking learns. This is where Ezio finally fucking, like, he goes to grab it, and he's like, no, I've seen enough for one life. <laughs> At that, it initiates. It, the, the, the apple reacts to him and stuff like that. And he <clears throat> immediately starts talking to Desmond. Like, he knows right away. He's just like, Desmond? <laughs> and he's just like, holy shit, he's talking to me. And he's just like, I don't know who you are or where you're from or anything like that but this is the fucking scoop like i know this is i understand that like finally my entire fucking life i've gone through all this shit i finally realize that i am just to give you this message and that's it like Mm. i'm not meant for this fucking power i'm just fucking meant to find it and tell you where the fuck it is like and stuff like that and he finally finally realizes that the purpose of like the purpose that he's been looking for this whole time in his fucking life he's done it He's finally, you know what I mean? He's finally gotten to the point where it's like, yo, I did my life's work over all this time. I was looking for this knowledge, and I honestly, I just found it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to know what this fucking apple means. I figured, I, I figured out all I fucking need to know. And Ezio retires. Hmm. Ezio, like, removes he his fucking... He retires. Yeah, bro. And the, the whole time <laughs> when he's sitting there talking, he fucking takes off his hidden blades. Like, he draw even the hidden blades. He fucking drops them. He takes his sword out. He fucking, like, he just said, like, okay. Like, I did what I was supposed to do. I'm fucking done. And with that, the apple activates to... It shows... Jupiter shows up, the man scientist. Jupiter shows up to Desmond and and shows him the catastrophe. Like, Desmond's still, like, a little... Like, all these holograms from the first two, three games have been really cryptic. And, like, you as the player, you still don't really get everything and like you still don't get everything even after this time but he shows him he legitimately shows him the destruction of their world like he shows he shows them like i said earlier about the 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 woman with the baby in the city and stuff like that and you Mm -hmm. literally see like the world burns like and he just explains how they came back and stuff like that to which once he does that he also shows desmond he he knows where the grand temple is he tells him where to go and exactly like yo this is where you need to go this is the place that you need to fucking that was the entire thing from the get-go Ezio was to find the apple of eden which would activate and show desmond where the location of the grand temple was at the end of the game he like uh, comes to finally from being brain mush out of the fucking animus he comes (laughs) into his body and his father rebecca and sean all like open up the door and there's like a cave there and stuff like that and boom that's the end 
which is also where it starts in the next Assassin. That was Assassin's Creed Revelations. We are getting to our final fucking game for this episode. I'm going to break it down. We're probably doing two or three episodes on Assassin's Creed. So uh, if you're going to get really sick of me talking about <laughs> Assassin's Creed this time, don't listen to the next three or two episodes. <laughs> I, I did this to try to get people to want to play Assassin's Creed, and I'm pretty sure they just probably don't ever want to touch it. <laughs> They'll never fucking touch it again. Okay, Assassin's Creed 3. This is, uh, honestly, out of all the people that I've talked to, this is the one that they like the most. It's either between this one or Assassin's Creed Black Flag. And this is the Civil War one, right? This is, yes. No. No. The oh. Revolutionary oh, the American War. Revolution. Not the Civil War, yes. Um, so anyway... Beginning of the game, Desmond, uh, Desmond and company, they reach the Grand Temple. Uh, they can only partially power it up. They find this little battery thing that kind of like gives them a little light, and they see everything. But there's not enough of there's not enough power supply to Need like more juice. Yes, exactly. At the same time, being in the temple just in general triggered like a bleeding effect on Desmond. Like the temple is sending information to like his brain. Hmm. Because obviously they can like sync up like that. Basically, he like sees the. Basically, he's talking to his dad, and then he looks over and he sees this like colonist from 1754, and he's just like, "Here we go again," and fucking passes out and stuff. So naturally, they throw him into the animus. The the temple is giving him. Basically, the Isu are sending him information. He needs to live through another ancestor and find another piece. What they want him to find is the key. And the key is to just unlock the temple further, where he can go in further, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> so, this one's actually really fun. It comes up. Um, <clears throat> he sinks up into the Animus right away with his uh, ancestor, Haytham Kenway. And where he first shows up at is England in a theater and you do a little mission where you climb up the balcony and stuff and you get behind this guy and you end up killing him with your uh, with your hidden blade you go behind his chair you kill him he's a little remorseful about it da, 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 da. and he gets this amulet to which he goes back to his people <clears throat> and uh, the order basically says like this amulet in this book says that it should open up the grand temple from the Isu, from the from the ones who came, they they, spe- they don't call them Isu. They specifically in 1754 they call them the ones who came before, because they don't understand the the concept of Isu. So yeah, it was believed to be the key, and it was supposed to open up a storehouse or like the Grand Temple. It's, that's exactly that's what it was, um, which actually was super funny. The the piece of Eden that they got from the last game mm-hmm. from Ezio, that's what unlocks. The Grand Temple, not the key. <laughs> the key unlocks what's inside the Grand Temple. So the, the the Hatham and his order, like at this time, think that it'll open. It'll just open it up right away and stuff like that. So they're totally, totally misled. Um, Hatham is ordered to go to America, set up a fucking base, get some recruits, and figure out where the fuck this thing is. Like, figure out where the Grand Temple is. So they think it's somewhere in America? Yes. They think it's somewhere in the New World, based on, like, how the amulet looks. It looks like a very Native American... There's Native American signs on it and stuff like that. It's also just Isu signs, but it's just, like, they think it's in America. So they tell him to go over. They tell him to find it and stuff like that. Hathen, uh... Hatham is greeted. He goes over. There's a little squabble on the boat. It's just, you know, it's just time. 
you basically it's to get you in line with the combat and stuff like that uh Haytham comes over to America. He's greeted by his new recruit, Charles Lee. We'll get into him a little bit later. Charles Lee is a sadistic bastard. <laughs> <clears throat> Together, they recruit others to their cause, and they also and and Haytham slowly starts bringing them into as to like what they need to find and stuff. Uh, slowly but surely, they like coincidentally he ends up during a mission that he's trying to he's trying to get some information. He helps. A Mohawk woman, an old Native American wo- not an old Native American woman, but a Native American woman and her tribe of people escape from the Brits. The Brits basically have them like captured and stuff like that. He doesn't really care. I mean, he's he helped him out. It wasn't like part of his plan, but he he helped him out, you know, and stuff like that. She eventually helps him back. Like they have someone that they don't like in common. The guy who captured him and stuff like that. Haytham doesn't like him. Um, she obviously doesn't like him. That whole thing about being enslaved. Not cool. <laughs> um, they help each other. Eventually, he helps He helps her kill that man. And she shows him, which her name is Zio. It, I can't even begin to say what her actual fucking name is. But she tells him to call... She tells him to call her Zio. Z-I-I-O. Which is very close to... Ezio. So anyway, fast forward to 1760. <clears throat> while she helped, uh, while Zio helped Haytham find the storehouse, the key didn't open it. Hmm. He was pissed. He was so fucking let down. Figured that, figured all of his fucking hard work fucking led to this, and it didn't do a fucking thing. Nothing. It's the wrong fucking place. What better time to make a fucking little love child than in a fucking cave? <laughs> yes. After your hopes and dreams were dashed. After your hopes and dreams were dashed, you fuck the Mohawk woman, get her pregnant, never see her again. Hell yeah. Yes. So he does. Fast forward a little bit. His son, which I do, I can say his name, Ritonagetin. If you want the uh, correct spelling, it is R-A-T-O-N-H-N-H-A-K-E semicolon... T-O-N. Ratonagetan <laughs> was a little Mohawk boy. Uh, you just come out, he's like playing in his village with some of his boys. He wants to go out in the valley, play hide and seek. His mom lets him and stuff like that. So they're all playing and stuff like that. Out of nowhere, he gets fucking jumped by fucking Charles Lee. <laughs> Haytham's fucking recruit man running through the fucking forest. Fucking jumps him like a fucking dickhead fucking picks him up starts like choking him and stuff saying that he has questions for his elders and all this kind of stuff he's like let me the fuck go and he just keeps he just keeps talking to him like he's a fucking like he he's worse than a dog like you and your pathetic fucking lies like you guys are fucking worthless just tell me what i want to know and this is a kid just a fucking kid and eventually fucking connor said his Ratona Geddon, sorry. Ratona Geddon spits in his face and Charles Lee doesn't like that. So they eventually knock the boy out and like just like and that's that. Like he just fucking knocks him out. When he comes to, he fucking runs, he's like running home, he's all delirious and shit. Some dude just fucking picked him up, and knocked him out in the fucking woods. <laughs> his fucking village is burning. <laughs> he just comes down and his fucking village is fucking burning fucking so he so he tries to find his mom. He tries to find his mom. He goes to the hut. Uh, she's trapped. Damn. And he can't help her. 
So he goes back and his mom is dead. His mom ends up dying like right in front of his right in front of his face. You know, she tells him to go and all that, like save himself. He tries to save her, it doesn't work. Um And he thinks he thinks this whole time that this is like after obviously after he was just fucking choked in the fucking woods that Charles Lee and his fucking merry band of fucking Templars just fucking went down and fucking set fire to the goddamn village. Mm-hmm. At this, like later after his mom's death, the elder, the elder of the tribe basically shows him a piece of Eden, which their people have been given to guard for centuries. Like they're they're there to protect it and make sure no one gets their fucking hands on this. Obviously, uh, if you haven't been listening, pieces of Eden <laughs> are pretty important. When Connor, t- <sighs> shit, when Ratona Getin grabs the fucking piece. It activates. It activates with his DNA, and uh, I believe it's Juno. I think it's Juno that comes to him because she's the manipulator. Yes, it is Juno. Juno basically tells him of the plot of the Templars, the assassins fighting each other and stuff like that, and that they're like, he needs to protect it. He needs to protect his people. He needs to protect the land that his people are on and stuff like that. He needs to protect this piece of Eden. He needs to go into the frontier and find a man to help train him boom vision done he finds his calling he finds his purpose mother dead dad never fucking been around he fucking leaves he fucking comes up on the davenport homestead uh which is home to achilles davenport an ex-assassin old Hmm. man now like way past his prime the assassins aren't anything in america um he walks with a cane, big old limp, really reluctant to teach Connor. Doesn't like the idea. Like, obviously has some, like, uh, bitter issues about his past and the assassins and stuff like that. Eventually, he sees, like, some of Connor's spunk, and he also realizes that Haytham Kemway is his father. Now, why is this important? I told you about Haytham Kemway uh, killing someone with his hidden blade. Hatham Kemway is actually the Grandmaster of the Templar Order in America. Yeah, the entire beginning of the game, like during this whole time, like you play as Hatham and you think he's an assassin, and then all of a sudden at the end when they they uh, initiate Charles Lee into the Templars, he uh, puts the he puts the Templar ring on his finger and is like, "You're a Templar now." And then Desmond, you know, Desmond wakes up and is just like, "What? You guys all saw that, right?" Like, we're working with Templars. It's like all of a sudden now he has an ancestor that's a Templar. Not only that, but a grandmaster of the fucking English colonies. <clears throat> so, over the years, uh, finally Achilles decides to train uh, Ratona Geddon. He renames him because he is not going to try to say Ratona Geddon. that's hard to say. Yeah, he's not. It took me fucking probably like five years just to... Like, I, it was the same thing. Like, as soon as I read that kid's name, I was like, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> but then years later, I was like, damn, I, I can't say I'm a fan of these if I can't say this kid's name. <laughs> yeah. He renames him after, uh, Achilles name, renames him after his own uh, deceased son, Connor. So you got a little mohawk. Well, not little. He's, he's pretty stacked. You got a mohawk kid running around with the name Connor. <laughs> not... It's kind of a bad stereotype. (laughs) But, um, yeah, he trains. He trains Connor up to be an assassin. And 
slowly they start to they start to pick off Haytham's uh, lower recruits. He starts uh, starts picking up all the men that while you were playing with Haytham, you recruited them. Yeah. Now you're playing as Connor, and you you're him. yeah, and you're and you're uh, hunting them down and killing them, all whilst knowing that, um, you know who your dad is, like he knows Connor. Connor one hundred and ten percent knows is like that was my dad, and he has no fucking love lost. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> he has no fucking problem at all, fucking knowing that he's got to kill his fucking dad. Um. So they plot to overthrow the Templars, yada, yada, yada. He gets a couple of kills and stuff like that. <clears throat> Years later, he's finally anointed as an assassin. Achilles finally, you know, they don't do the, they don't do the normal ceremony because him and Achilles aren't, aren't those types of people anymore. They don't really like that stuff. But Achilles finally trains him up and finally names him an assassin, to which he goes after one of... And he kind of, like, like, he finds out, like, information to where, like, the people of the colonies are being oppressed by the Redcoats. So he helps out. He helps out in, like, the Boston Tea Party. He helps out, like, he, I bet you thought Paul Revere was the only one who went on Paul Revere's ride. You'd probably be wrong. Paul and Connor. Yep, Paul and, Paul and Ratona <laughs> fucking ran off and, and warned uh, the colonists of the, uh, <clears throat> of the British invasion. But yeah, he does all this kind of stuff. Eventually, though, as the as the conflict between the Redcoats and the colonists are going on, um, Connor and Haytham want the same man dead. Eventually, there's a there's a man. He was a traitor to the colonists, and he's actually a traitor to Haytham as well. What he was, this man was going to go to the uh, the loyalist. And give them George Washington's man numbers, where they were going. He was going to give them a whole bunch of fucking information on the colonists to help the uh, Brits come and win the war. He was also a part of Tath- about Tatham. He was also a part of Haytham's order, and Haytham knew that this man had a big mouth. Obviously, uh, he knew that he was going to start sprouting some fucking secrets that Haytham didn't want to get around. So Connor and Haytham end up meeting each other. And joining forces a little bit. Now, this is a really, like... It's a fun... It's a fun part to play in the game. Super fun when these two are, like... Because you have the Grand Master of the Templar Order and basically the only assassin left in the United States <laughs> that are, like, joined up together trying to trying to get this guy. And they're also father and son. So, as like, you kind of see a little bit of sentiment going on where they try to, like... You even see, like... There's parts where, like, Haytham's like, go do this. And he's like, why me? He's like, because I said so. <laughs> You're just waiting for him to say, like, I'm your dad, dick. He's just like, you can't really pull that when you, uh... you. Yeah, you can't really say that when you, when you left us. As they're doing this, the ideologies of the Templars and the Assassins always fucking comes up. 
Haytham constantly tries to tell Connor as to why he's doing wrong. Haytham's constantly also like, as he gets prisoners, he'll slit their fucking throat. Like, right in front of him. And Connor's like, he didn't have to fucking do that. And he's like, he gave me all the information he wanted. What the fuck? Like, I'm not wasting manpower and money to fucking keep him alive in jail and then let him go later. Like, he gave me all the... Fuck him. Just kill him. He's useless now. Yes. Now, where it comes to head, this is one of my favorite... I literally wrote down the quote word for fucking word. (laughs) Because this is... Also because we're obviously dealing with the United States. It's part of our history, too. But this is... Wait till you hear what Haytham says about the founding fathers and everything like that. They're basically arguing about the revolution. Haytham says about how the Templars don't fucking align with the Loyalists or the Brits and their stupid king. Like, they don't... They want the control. They don't care about the king. Mm -hmm. They don't care about that stuff. He's like, but also, it's you fucking... You assassins who have this stupid notion of fucking freedom like it's just chaos like it's you know what i mean that's where he tries to make the uh he tries to make the connection and what he wants is instead of washington who is in charge of the who's the general of the fucking colonist armies and probably going to be the fucking head if they win instead of him being in charge of everything haytham's trying to set his man charles lee in charge because charles is the true shepherd to the sheep he says the sheep need a (laughs) shepherd the sheep he thinks Charles Lee is the promised one to like help the colonists become an actual great nation and stuff. At this, Connor's fucking pissed. And he's like, the people made their choice, Haytham, okay? And it was Washington that they chose. Yeah. This is where this is it. I'm I'm just gonna quote unquote Haytham Kemway. <laughs> Actually, sorry, it does start with Connor. It seems your tongue has tasted sour grapes. The people have made their choice, and it was Washington, not Lee. The people chose nothing. It was done by a group of privileged cowards seeking only to enrich themselves. They convened in private and made a decision that would benefit them. Oh, they might have dressed it up with pretty words, but that does not make it true. The only difference, Connor, the only difference between myself and the ones you aid is that I do not feign affection. (laughs) Yo. I was, I don't, uh, dude, as soon as I fucking heard that, I just, oh, I almost gave him a standing ovation. It was the craziest (laughs) fucking thing. But he's right. He's, he, this is the part where, like, this is the part in these where it's like you're playing as the assassins the whole time and you're trying to take down these tyrant men, but then they fucking throw out these ideologies that are just like, he's fucking right. George Washington's killing all these fucking people so he can be put on the fucking one dollar bill <laughs> Haytham's fucking yeah he's killing all these people and he's a ruthless killer but Haytham's doing this not to make him not to give himself a better position within the new country or something like that like yeah they want control but he doesn't want to be the main dude that fucking yeah he'll call the shots and he'll do stuff according to his fucking order and stuff like that but he's not the one that wants to be the fucking main guy he doesn't feign affection yeah in his eyes he's doing what he just thinks is right yeah and Connor can't even argue this. Connor literally, like, Connor, he try, like, he he understands where his father's coming from, but he still sees the error of his ways. And he still tries to tell him, he's like, you, you, say, you say a lot of shit to me, but you don't show, you're not showing me why yours is better. You're still just a ruthless killer. You know what I mean? You still mm-hmm. just slit that guy's throat back there. Um... <clears throat> Fast forward to a couple of uh, a couple of battles with the revolutionary uh, with the revolutionaries. Uh, the Battle of Monmouth happened, to which Connor was a part of. Connor helped out the colonists and stuff like that. But Charles Lee was a little shaky. 
a little shaky on the uh, on the battleground. Charles Lee ordered all of his men to uh, to advance onto the battlefield and then just rode off. <laughs> to which another commander and Connor had to come up and pick the pieces of. Uh, he then, as stuff was going bad, ordered a retreat against the colonists, like against like the commander and what George Washington actually wanted. He's sabotaging. Charles Lee is sabotaging Washington to try to make the people let go of Washington to where Haytham can then place Charles Lee in, in charge of the entire fucking revolutionary mm-hmm. revolution. <clears throat> Connor figures all this shit out. He lets fucking, he lets George Washington know and everything like that. At this, Haytham also realizes that, remember, uh, remember Connor's village and his mom? Mm-hmm. How that was Charles Lee who burnt down the village? It actually wasn't. And Haytham, this entire time he's been working with Connor, he's also been snooping around trying to figure this stuff out when he found out that the village was... Because according to him, he told Charles Lee the exact opposite. He told them to forget about the tribe, forget about the land, and they needed to think about more practical means as to find where the actual Grand Temple is. Stupid Haytham. It's right there, you fuck. (laughs) All you had to do was not be a dick to your son. Uh... With that, he finds he finally finds a letter where George Washington has ordered, uh, basically, he had men go over to uh, Connor's people and fuck him up again. <laughs> fourteen years later, after the first one, when Haytham also calls him out and says, "What did you do fourteen years ago?" Damn. And basically, his people they got word that some Mohawk people might have been working with the Redcoats, so he had people put a stop to it. That's again where the ideology comes in. Where like, yo, George Washington is. St- is still a bad man. He's still he's still a murderer. Oh yeah, for you guys, that, the real George Washington too killed a bunch of people on Christmas. <laughs> bunch of people on Christmas in their sleep, and they didn't get paid for it. They, you didn't get your little holiday pay for uh, riding across the river. So, modern people, think about it. Um, at all of this, Connor's still Connor's pissed at both of them, but Connor still understands it. Like yo, it doesn't. Whatever happened 14 years ago, it is what, it's a silly ploy for you to try to like get me to come over on your side. You're still wrong. And it just shows the conviction of Connor. Like Connor's literally the unicorn of the assassins. <laughs> no matter what this motherfucker just shows up. I was saying this yesterday. No matter what, this dude just shows up to the fucking plate with a fucking horseshoe in his mouth and a fuck, the biggest bat you could ever fuck. And he just hits home. He just shows up all the fucking time. <laughs> he just does exactly what he's fucking supposed to do. He sticks up for the people and anybody who tries to tell him fucking otherwise he's just like fuck you <laughs> i don't care if you're my dad you're a bitch you're getting a tomahawk you're a f- yeah you're a fucking bitch um <clears throat> so once george washington finds out about charles lee and sabotaging him in all these fucking in all these different things trying to ruin his reputation he condemns him but he doesn't kill him doesn't sit well with Connor. Connor doesn't like this. Connor understands that this man must die. He is dangerous if left alive. He will amass more people. He will amass more power, money, and he will eventually he will take over. There's nothing Washington can do. Washington is just being like Washington may be a bad man. He made a nice decision on this by not killing the dude, but he probably should have. <laughs> yeah, probably should have. So Connor just tells him like, "Yo, I I can't waste any more fucking time on this. I can't prove to you that this dude is worse than what he is." Or is better than what he actually is. Like, I can't prove all this shit to you. You, you, I gotta kill this dude myself. And he actually sets it up. Charles Lee has taken um, refuge in Fort George. And Connor 
goes to the Chesapeake Bay to meet up with some French allies to where he... <clears throat> He can't get into Fort George to get to Charles Lee alone. So he needs a distraction. He needs some way to get into the fort. So he gets the French to come up to New York and bombard the fucking Fort George, which this really fucking, this is another part fabricated uh, historical events has actually happened. The French came, they fucking bombarded New York and stuff like that. It was actually a distraction so Connor could come in and get Charles Lee. Um... When he gets into the fort, he's a little bit injured because, you know, cannonballs flying fucking everywhere. He gets a little hurt up, banged up. He goes in. He's looking for Lee. Can't find him. And who does he find but his father, Hatham (laughs) Kenway. Hatham sent Charles Lee away because he's not fucking stupid. And he knew that someone was probably going to be coming after him, i.e. my son. (laughs) And they have a little bit of tussle. They're both fucking, they both engage in each other get a couple of good shot the one dude the one that's great is like first con the whole time you're like walking up connor's like fucking injured he can't fight the guards or anything like that and your dad just comes up punches you in the face knees you in the gut and elbows you in the back puts you down what does connor do he gets up on his knees punches his dad right in the fucking balls <laughs> just right fucking first yeah. thing, first thing he does like oh yeah boom like, <laughs> just nut punches him funniest thing i thought ever and uh Connor wraps him up and eventually hates him. He's just like, come on, bro. Like, you can't. You're just a kid. You're like 20 years old. You can't fucking take me. Fucking Connor pulls out a knife, fucking jags his fucking arm. So now they're kind of on even playing ground. Like, he's injured, he's injured. And they fight. Eventually, a cannonball comes in and fucking separates them. And they're both on the ground and stuff. And Connor Connor goes, surrender, and I'll spare you. His dad, him goes... Brave words from a man about to die. <laughs> he rolls over on Connor and he starts to choke him. Like he holds his hand down with his one hand and he and he starts choking him. He starts like like this is where you see whereas like the sentiment of father and son is never there. Like yeah. it's only there if Connor will change. But Hatham is too far gone. Hatham will never he's the grandmaster. He he will never change this ideology. He has lived, breathed. He fucking, he'll die by it. And he absolutely does. As he's like, as he's obsessed telling Connor while the assassins will always fail and the Templars will always fucking win, he decides to take his other hand off of his hidden blade hand. Don't know why. But as he's sitting there bitching, Connor (laughs) gets him, fucking reaches up, stabs his dad in the neck, and his dad feels no fucking remorse. He literally looks at him and is just like, don't expect me to caress your cheek and tell you I was wrong. It's like, I will not, like, I'm not going to weep and pretend what could have been. But then he also compliments him, too. He tells him about how he showed great conviction, strength, courage, like, all of them were noble qualities and stuff, and a son and stuff. And then he looked right at him and said, I should have killed you long ago. <laughs> and there goes the Grandmaster of the Templar Order. However... As you see, time continues. You cannot kill the Templar Order. And it just moved on. Charles Lee is now in charge of the Templars in fucking, uh, in America. And he's still alive. Connor, uh, Connor goes to hunt him down. Uh, he eventually gets captured by Charles Lee's mercenaries, which he's not really affected by. Like, Charles Lee is more upset about Hatham's death than fucking Connor is. And Connor (laughs) killed him. 
There's one point he's like, he sent me away that day. He told me there was no danger. And Connor's like, he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, bitch. <laughs> like, I fucking showed up, motherfucker. I am the danger. So he, so basically Charles Lee is so fucking pissed at him that he, that he won't kill him right away. What he wants to do is he wants to go. He wants to fucking tear down the Davenport homestead. All the people that have helped you. He just wants to kill all these people right in front of you. And then he'll kill you. Which dumb motherfucker like this Haytham's son if you couldn't fight Haytham why do you think you fight Haytham's son he overthrows the fucking mercenaries he goes after fucking Charles Lee eventually there's this fucking they run, he runs after Lee for a while Lee can't fight you they end up you end up going up on this fucking boat a big old giant barge is like being fucking made and you guys like end up falling through a fucking messed up plank in the fucking wood Connor gets impaled by a piece of wood and Charles Lee standing over him, giving him a fucking lecture because the Templars, instead of getting shit done, they like to give lectures. They're too fucking egotistical. I'm fucking right. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. He's standing over him <laughs> and Connor gets his pistol ready, gives him the old gut shot, <laughs> gives him the old bullet to the... And it's a fucking Revolutionary War pistol too, so that fuck way fucking worse than a normal... Or, like, has to be. Way yeah. worse than a normal fucking gut shot. Connor passes out. Fucking Charles Lee leaves. This is very long and drawn out because it's been very, it's been very tense between these two. <clears throat> Eventually, Connor follows him to a tavern where he's just, just chilling in the back, just chilling at a table by himself. Charles Lee just sitting there bleeding out through his stomach. Has a bottle of like rum or something like that. Takes a swig of it. Sure, passes it on over to Connor. Connor takes a swig of it. Connor's still been impaled by at this point, so they're both kind of hurting right now. And then Lee just understands. Charles Lee just understands that that's the end. And fucking uh, Connor drives a knife through his fucking heart. Hmm. Right there in the tavern. Gets up. Why is this important? Why did he need to go after Lee? Like, what was it? What was it so important? Like to the main video game storyline, or like to Desmond, or something like that? Lee had the amulet. Lee had the actual fucking amulet that was thought to be the key to the Grand Temple, which was only the key for inside the Grand Temple to mm-hmm. unlock what was further beyond the Grand Temple. They didn't have a piece of Eden to unlock to unlock the main door to get into the temple. So, Connor, that's what they were looking for. De- that the the temple gave made Desmond go into the Animus to figure out where this amulet was because that's what powered the next stage that they needed to go to. And uh, Connor took the amulet. He buried it on the Davenport homestead. Desmond and them go to get it. They get the amulet. They go back to the Grand Temple. Bum, bum, bum. This is where the great catastrophe, well, the second great catastrophe, because there's two. There was one. Now there's going to be two. Happens. And basically, they go back to the Grand Temple. They unlock it. You know, huge fucking... Music goes on, mm-hmm. shit like that. They show up to this device, kind of like looks like a little like glowing globe, just like sitting on a pedestal and stuff like that. And fucking Juno shows up, and Juno's just like, "Yes, yes, you can save, you can save the Earth, Desmond." And he's just like, "Wait, what? Like, what's going? Like, what's going on here?" And then Minerva shows up and is like, "No, hold up a second. And it's just like, "What the fuck?" Basically, these two they go over the entire fucking story. Uh, Minerva trapped Juno. Juno endured. She lived on through the eye to manipulate Desmond and his ancestors mm-hmm. to do to get them to this exact point. 
to get them right here. Minerva wanted them here way beforehand. She wanted them here eons ago so they could fucking figure out this technology and try to save the world before it happened. However, Juno and Minerva start arguing about ideologies and basically the fact if if Desmond touches the pedestal, he'll release Minerva. Minerva, like, or Juno, sorry. He'll release Juno into the world. Juno manipulated the machine to where, like, as soon as the device was activated, she would she would be released. Her consciousness would be released into the world, and she'd be able to, like, eventually take a form again. <clears throat> Minerva doesn't want this to happen. She understands. She knows what's going to happen. She's the same thing that happened last time. She's going to enslave your fucking people yeah, if you let her out, and we're not going to do it. <clears throat> Under this whole time, they think that the world can't be saved. Or they think that, they, that they're trying to get to a point where they're trying to, like, save it, but they don't know how the fuck it's going to work and stuff like that. Minerva doesn't want it to happen. She, she wants you to let the world burn at just so Juno doesn't come. Just so Juno isn't released on a world she wants you all to die. However, Juno wants you to touch the pedestal because what it will do is that it will send a, a kind of like force field of Aurora Borealis around the entire fucking Earth. And even though the coronal mass effect might... Even though it might like affect like our technologies and stuff like that, there might be like some sunspots and stuff like that. There might be like some complications and stuff. The world won't burn. It will basically Desmond's life force basically activates the machine that gives it enough power to go off. And he has to make the decision. Basically, Minerva has been the good one this whole time trying mm. to tell you, but her outcome is worse. Like the world burns, and yeah, you guys. She shows you a vision, basically where you guys survive in the temple. A few humans, just like last time, like less than ten thousand, will survive the great catastrophe if you let it happen again. And then, after so many weeks or months or something like that, when the world's terraformed and regrowing itself, they'll come out of the temple. They'll start being like the Adam and Eves, the the start of a whole new mm. fucking cycle and stuff like all their technology's gone everything that they've ever known like and stuff and that's where Desmond says like to Minerva is like no offense but there's no hope you just you want me to leave this bitch you just want me to not do this so this bitch doesn't get out but like if she gets out we'll figure out how to fucking deal with her later like you, what you want is just you just want me to destroy the fucking world <laughs> like I can't fucking do that and that's what that's Juno's whole thing Juno Juno's like you can save the world all you have to do is touch this pedestal in your life and it'll kill you in an instant, but you save the world. <laughs> you save the fucking world. And uh, at that, the decision's pretty fucking easy. It's pretty easy for Desmond. He tells his father, he tells Rebecca and all them, uh, Sean, he tells them to leave the temple. They need to go get away from there. Um, this is December 12th, or December 21st, 2012, right up in line with it, and Desmond... Uh, Minerva first tells him that he is to live and die with these consequences, which, bum, 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 on the next episode, you will realize that he will live and die with these consequences. But Desmond touches the pedestal, which uh, giant light, like, goes up, starts, like, fucking... Sucks him dry. Yeah, kind of, like, fucking burns up his fucking one arm and stuff like that. <clears throat> and, uh, boom, that's the end of the game. Uh, all of a sudden, you'll see a... You see like a little, uh, you see a globe with like 
all these like cool like aurora borealis around the entire fucking globe out in space and stuff like that and then you hear like this reporter talking about like it keeps like going in and out like seismic seismic energy in such and such field there's a something from the sun but everything seems to be all right like (laughs) radio things or radio signals are cutting in and out but nothing seems to be too detrimental and stuff like that (laughs) basically desmond uh sacrificed himself to save the world to save the fucking world and uh at that juno also is released into the world like a a a hologram of her shows up at desmond's body laying in the temple and says you played your part very well desmond but now it is time i play mine (laughs) and at that we're gonna end this was uh this was fucking insane we went for two and a half hours uh, if you listen to it, that's cool. Congratulations. Yeah, if you listen to it, that's cool. If you don't listen to it, uh, I'm going to try to make a better one. People seem to like um, Assassin's Creed Black Flag more, and it's um, now that we wrapped up the Desmond Miles story, since De- Desmond died and stuff like that, um, the, ga- the the series takes a little bit of a turn. Like It changes up like how it, uh, how it views ancestors, who the user of the Animus is, but uh, we'll talk about that next week. I'll get it all down. Like I said, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get all my uh, links together, give you guys some good information <laughs> to where you can like read some of this stuff or the videos to where I got it from. Um, but ultimately, just play the games, man. Like when it, they're great games. It's a lot of really fun information, and you learn like you learn a whole bunch of stuff that you never even knew about fucking history. Like I don't know nothing about fucking rome or florence in fucking 1476 i don't know fucking you know what i mean i didn't know anything about fucking the holy land mm-hmm. back then or like what it was you know what the countries or the cities and stuff like that they're beautiful games too man the landscapes are just fucking like especially in the new ones man the new uh assassin's creed origins and odyssey <clears throat> that'll be in the third episode they're beautiful. They're <laughs> seriously like I I've they're actually the games that I've actually taken time to like take pictures in the photo mode and I've tried to like make them. some of them some of the ones that people take on those on the on like you can see other people's photos yeah. that they've taken in game and some of them are just like like you they have to be photographers. They have to be <laughs> photo- to like understand the fucking the like percentages of the different uh effects that you can put on it. But they're really Assassin's Creed is a really great series. The new one, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, is coming out, uh, I think, November. November, like, 17th or some shit like that. Um, I'm super, super <laughs> fucking excited for it. I'm super excited for next week, because, like, this may have been long, but but these are good. Um, I'm going to listen back to it to hopefully I didn't fucking ramble on too much. Like, hopefully it's cohesive for people. I want people to at least, like, understand somewhat of what I'm saying without giving the game away. I'm telling you what the game's about. I'm telling you kind of, like, the the little ins and outs of the storyline and stuff, but, like, I don't give the juice of it away, so, like, you still have to play it to get the full effect and stuff like that. Obviously, this is a podcast, a fucking audio podcast, too, so you can only listen. You don't get the visuals. (laughs) Yeah, but that was Assassin's Creed 1, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed Revelations, and Assassin's Creed 3. Next week, I will cover Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which is Assassin's Creed 4, Assassin's Creed uh, Rogue, Assassin's Creed Unity, and Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I will uh, some of the, those games kind of uh, correlate to each other. Uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag correlates to Assassin's Creed Three a little bit, only by uh, 
only by family, <laughs> not by uh, not by like modern, eh, somewhat of modern times, but it totally takes a different turn. Black Flag takes a totally different turn. It's also like kind of it was one of the ones that reinnovated the kind of got people back into it. People really like playing in the West Indies, being a pirate. Yeah, fucking driving your boat around and shit. Yeah, you fucking you went around. You fucking you you. You fought boats. You fought Templars and fucking and giant ships. You could also take. You could fight forts. You know, you could use your boat to fucking attack a fort out in the fucking an island or or on the mainland that you needed to take. It was it was really colorful too. Like the the yeah. water, like the fucking like the the really blue water of the fucking West Indies and stuff like that. Like just down there, I don't know the whole the whole vibe of it was uh, something that changed the whole franchise. Um. But I'm excited to get into that. I got a whole other week of crazy fucking research to do. <laughs> I got to listen to this fucking shit back. Yep. But uh, how'd you like it? It was, it was interesting, definitely. Have you played was, any of the Assassin's Creed games? Oh, a couple of them. Like, I played, like, Brotherhood a little bit. And, like, I played, like, the earlier ones. None of the, really the new ones. Yeah. I have, uh, <laughs> I have a few Platinums for... I have two Platinums for Brotherhood. One for PS3, one for PS4. <laughs> I have, uh... A platinum for Assassin's Creed 3, Rogue, Syndicate, Origins, and Odyssey. <laughs> Best believe I'm going to get that Valhalla one. But yeah, this has been uh, Room to Talk, Episode 3, Assassin's <laughs> Creed. We'll catch you next week, next week guys. Peace.